You know, just like that, here we are. It's another month later. We're doing it. Astro Herbalism with the crew. Welcome, everybody, to another Vibrant. Cheers to you all. And please, whether you're with us live or tuning into the replay, if you have a moment to share the podcast with somebody that you know that they might enlighten with us uh, in this beautiful time of Piscean Gnosis, I give thanks for you being here and for sharing the podcast because you guys are the uh, the marketers. The <laughs> yeah, let's do the perfect time for some wave weave wave. Oh yeah, it's been a while since we all did that. Five people together, wonderful. So we've got Michelle of Michelle's Healing Home, Kyle of Typical New Herbs, Mario of Symbolic Studies, and my man Gabe, the slickest of dissidents. It is a pleasure and an honor to share space with you all again, and just been excited all day about it. Uh, before we dive in, I'll just do a little advertisement for 
<laughs> Kyle's products because I am sipping on some elderberry tea that he sent me along with the heliochrysum flowers. I added some of that to it and some cherry bark that I got elsewhere, but kind of a concoction of many virtues. And then I also recently got another shipment of tinctures from Kyle and uh, many of them actually, but I've talked about them before. The ones that were new to me, Kapow, Energy Power Up, Yerba Mate, Ginseng, Cordyceps, some kind of other berry. <laughs> like maybe Kyle can tell us a little bit about the Kapow and the Gladder Bladder, which I made sure to take mm. so I could power through two hours very easily. <laughs> really excited. Uh, Kyle, yeah, tell us a little bit about those particular tinctures and, you know, what's new with Tippecanoe. What's, what's up? Thanks, Chance. Nice to be here tonight. Um, yeah, those tinctures. Let's see, gladder bladder. Um, uh, that that's got some herbs actually that we're going to talk about tonight. So I won't spill too many beans on it. But uh, it's a the energetic qualities of that particular one are for tightening, toning, uh, loose and lax tissues. And when you tighten and tone a, a tissue, um, it prevents microbes. I guess are insalubrious things from sticking to the inside of it, I guess you could say. And, um, that's one of the, the main qualities of that. And then, um, and, uh, the, the Kapow. Yeah. Just an energy power up. It's got a little Yerba Mate. It's like slightly caffeinated, but it's mostly just like uplifting in the, uh, chi centers again, kid, a kidney tonic. This is where the, you know, the spiritual chi comes from. And so that's a, that's also a, a kidney tonic at its core. It's got sh- Gisandra berry or Shizandra mm. or the five flavored berry of Chinese medicine, which is a very uh, unique and uh, mm. wonderful fruit. If you've never tried one, just try one like by itself one time and you'll, you'll taste all five flavors. You'll taste the, the flavor rainbow, I guess they say. That makes uh, me think of the five school. genas <laughs> of Buddhism, like the five yeah. Buddhas basically pertaining to the five elements. Interesting. You know, that that's a Chinese thing and five flavored berry and it's for your chi. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, other things, new at Tippecanoe, I got a, I do uh, an herbal class. It's a full year from April through October. It's starting soon. And I teach energetic herbalism. So we learn herbalism through our senses as they're presented Mm. through the plants. The the way, you know, we'll talk about that a little tonight and and pertains to Pisces and mucilage and uh, the watery elements and how we can learn about how a plant will heal us based on its flavor, its uh, its presentation. And it's a really great way of learning herbalism because it's about uh, fostering critical thinking and so that you may derive your own conclusions based on your senses and your experience as opposed to memorization. So that's coming up. And um, I just have a lot of... Uh, conspiracy of abundance right now from big Jupiter, you know, Me and, too. he's making it rain. <laughs> and my, and uh, if any of my staff are listening, they've been really awesome. They've been, um, they got together without me knowing and they made us a bunch of meals cause they knew that we were having a hard time uh, taking care of my one-year-old who's such a, 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 also abundant joy and gave me a little Pisces power up, um, Recently, as soon as as soon as the, we went into tropical Pisces, he realized that sometimes I don't wear my slippers, and so he, his new thing is like going to get my slippers, and he hands one to me, and then he goes and gets the other one, and I'll put them in tricky places like under the bed, and he'll just he it's really fun. <laughs> and so, if, for those who are listening that don't 
I don't know where Pisces rules the feet. We'll get into that. But yeah, that's it's it's really fun. So yeah, just feeling great. There's some awesome space weather tonight. I had a clear sky view of this beautiful conjunction. And man, I am just I'm just uh floating up the stream like the fishes do. So it's awesome, man. Thank you for asking. Oh, very cool, man. Uh, love to hear stories about little Davi Day. And I just linked it in the chat, but if people go to typicanewherbs.com, also that's in the show notes the description there. One last, one last thing, Chance. Oh, yeah. uh, your, your viewers will get uh, a discount 10% off if they just type in Interverse at the checkout. So that's for y'all. Thank you so much. That's really generous, man. I hope people take advantage of incredible variety and again, abundance of, of offerings, but I also want to kick it over to Michelle. What do you got going on? Uh, you know, what's cooking, what, what's currently on offer. I, I heard all this announced in your really fun solo live stream last night, but you know, let us know again and welcome. <laughs> Good yeah. to have you. Thank you. Uh, welcome to everyone else. Thanks for being here, everybody, and happy to be here. Um, let's see. Yeah, what's going on? Well, uh, we are still in the last uh, moon offering. So I've got my fire cider, horseradish fire cider that's still on tap, which is really awesome. People have been liking that. Um, planted some seeds today. So getting the garden just starting. It's, it was snowing just yesterday and there's still snow on the ground, but I had to just, you know, in the spirit of spring right around the corner, got some seeds planted that felt really good. I feel fortunate that we have a solar shed on the property. So it stays cozy and warm in there. It gets plenty of sun so we can get a head start. Um, that's been awesome. Ben is swimming in the Piscean waters, a very dreamy time. Uh, it's been an emotional time for me, I'll say. Uh, you know, there's always lessons that come through. Uh, so there's just been a lot of um, really good lessons, really good times of like tuning in and listening to myself and, you know, reflecting has been a big theme for me in, in, in the best of ways. So it's been good. And uh, we'll get into it later, but I've been dreaming about, you know, particular herbs that we're going to be talking about tonight. So be fun to share some of the insights I've gotten from the dream realm. It's always fun. But that's about all going on. Yeah, it was a good show last night, too. Got thrown off again. And I'll say I've been, uh, you know, having the podcast is helping me be quicker on my feet. <laughs> when things come up, plans change. Someone can't come on. Oh, my goodness. What do you do? Uh, it's it's I like really that you're great. getting these early on indicators that you would be just fine flying as the Michelle solo show. You've got yeah. everything it takes for that. So whenever a host is already equipped to be able to deliver a wonderful, enlightening and inspiring stream like you do, then when they have guests on, it's like double extra bonus. <laughs> but yeah, you can totally you, just Chance. do it solo anytime you want. We we were all super into it. Yeah, I appreciated it. And it was it was fun, you know. And then it it, it revitalized my um my the teaching um the teacher in me again, you know, cause I busted out that class and was like, Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm sitting on all these classes that I haven't taught in a long time. And so it was very inspiring on, on many levels. So grateful for it. Well, how about Mario and Gabriel? How you guys doing? What's new? Hey there. Oh, pretty good, dude. Um, what's new? Just uh, same old, same old over here. Uh, I actually, I'm really appreciating uh, just this series right now because, you know, for a couple years, I was following each sign during the sign itself. 
kind of, um, you know, change direction a little bit to focus on other types of symbolism. But having this kind of intact and um, keeping me honest with like what's going on with the astro weather and stuff like that and realizing that I've done so much research and all of this, um, it's just nice to have a platform to talk about some of the nuances of these signs. And so um, I feel myself and actually Kyle, um, we had a reading the other day and kind of like what you brought to the table was really inspiring because you're like following the Deccans and stuff like that. And you're pointing things out in the reading that I had not considered in a little while. And so I kind of feel myself being magnetized back to astrology. And so I'm really stoked to talk about Pisces and just everything that I'm learning about it right now. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, honestly, uh, just doing my thing. I have uh, a lot of client work going on right now uh, with design stuff, which I'm super grateful for. You were mentioning, you know, just the prosperity with Jupiter and stuff that definitely lines up with some of what I have going on uh, behind the scenes. And then um, on Friday, I'm going to be doing a presentation on Illuminati symbolism through my perspective and through my lens, which I've never talked about before. Um, but I think that's going to be a good one. And then tomorrow, Michelle and I, we're going to be debuting our new uh, show together called Last Thursday. So we're planning on going live every Thursday evening. So that'll be a good time. Holy, but, uh, yeah. holy. can't wait for the Illuminati symbolism. Uh, yeah, man, it, it's going to be a good one. I'm actually really stoked to talk about it. Um, so I've been wanting to for a few weeks and uh, I've been building the presentation and stuff. So I'm going to get into things like what does the new world order mean? You know, uh, I've been talking about order versus chaos and things like that. So there's a few things kind of surrounding, you know, the classic Illuminati symbolism uh, that I want to break down for folks. So uh, look out for that. I will. <laughs> You you want to let us into what's currently swirling and whirling around that dome of yours? I think I've been muted. Yep, there you go. You're talking to me? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm good, man. I'm real good. Uh, I love the title, Last Thursday. That's like a good, like, back to the future kind of time warp idea i love that um (laughs) yeah yeah i like it too uh, so i just put out a video today that i've been working on for a couple days and i'm having a lot of post-production revelations of uh of a whole broad swath of thoughts jupiter is definitely uh filling me full of hot air i have (laughs) i have a lot on my mind and um I uploaded my video just before uh, a couple hours ago and it came out with a bunch of glitches in the video. So I might have to go back and redo, but um, yeah, I love this. I love this project we got going. I look forward to it like days in advance. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So I just, let, let's get going. <laughs> let's get our feet a trekking. Well, I, I heard the man. Here we go. <laughs> Start talking about Pisces. Um, you know, Pisces is very near and dear to me. I am a 322 Aries. So in a sidereal sense, I'm full on Pisces, but that's right on the cusp. I have a lot of the traits for sure. You know, um, my biggest vice in life has always been escapism into fictional realms. That's super Piscean. Makes a lot of sense for me that that would be a particularly attractive pastime too, because I've got like venus in there and mercury in pisces so i love to talk about the deep stuff and uh, i love the deep (laughs) the deep end pisces is super special to me so excited to get into it 
Yeah. Um, you know, traditionally, uh, Kyle starts things off because he usually makes the first slide and uh, that generally has the tarot card on it. Kyle, do you uh, do you want to uh, chime in here to get things going or if you want, I can. It's up to you. Actually, I, I ask if you would make the slides so that you can get, get going. OK, right on. Sweet. Yeah. So. Okay. I mean, there's so much to talk about with this card. It's kind of crazy, right? Um, so the Pisces correspondence for the tarot card uh, for the major arcana is the moon card. It kind of throws people off um, that that's even the case, but it makes a lot of sense once you start decoding it. So you can see in the card uh, on the right that there's that Pisces glyph uh, to the left of the title. And then the Hebrew letter that corresponds um, with this card is Kof. So uh, Q-O-P-H, which means the back of the head, which is very Piscean. You don't see the back of your head, right? And so I think of the subconscious and things that aren't really seen, right? Um, but the moon is such a transformer. You know, it's always changing in the night sky. It's waxing, waning, etc. So it's constantly evolving. It's constantly moving. And what you see here in most traditional moon cards are those two towers, which essentially is just a gateway. And, you know, this kind of taps into this tradition of believing that the moon was like the first gateway out of here and therefore the last gateway to um, to come to this plane or domain. And so it's really interesting, the first or the last gateway, depending on if you're leaving or if you're returning. And here you can see in the Marseille version of the card, this is the uh, Jodorowsky version. And I use this version because it's like really clean and everything's like very obvious. Um, but you see these like droplets going from Earth to the moon, which I think is really curious. And people have said that it, it could be souls. The moon has been looked at as kind of like a devourer of souls and that uh, the moon is very receptive as well. Um, and so... Everything about the moon implies receptivity. Uh, the crescent moon, it looks like a, a vessel of some sort. We were talking about the arc the other day. Um, and then even the craters on the moon are very much receptive. Um, and so the receptivity is so strong that it's almost like pulling energy from the earth. It makes me wonder if it's talking about the tradition I just mentioned regarding, you know, uh, leaving this domain using the moon as the first gateway sort of out of here. Um, one new wrinkle that I'm very uh, intrigued with at the moment is it's tradition to have two dogs on the moon card and they're howling at the moon. Um, there's this astrologer. Her name is Ola Wolny and she puts forth something very interesting regarding wolves howling at the moon. And it made me think of the moon card when she mentioned it. And she wonders if the moon basically if if the wolves or dogs howling at the moon, if they're doing it out of reverence or out of a warning, are they warning us against the moon uh, in regards to the moon? And there's many, many folk tales about the moon being kind of adversarial or being dark or something along these lines. So the moon really has a full spectrum of like folklore associated with it from being heavily revered to being feared. Right. And so yeah, to me, when I see those is an old name for the moon. That's right. Yeah, exactly. You know, so when I see these dogs or wolves now, I'm just wondering, are they warning us against the moon? What is the purpose of the howl? I don't know. It's just something to think about and consider. Um, and then obviously, uh, generally, the moon card has like a crab or a lobster in a body of water. 
Uh, cancer has been looked at as a lobster or a cray crayfish or a crab. Lots of like um, hard shelled animals or animals with like an exoskeleton sort of thing. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that pretty much covers like some of the basics, but very much a um, transformative sort of card. You can really see it in the uh, in the Thoth version uh, of the of the card of just this kind of like you know, uh, transcendent sort of thing, kind of like, um, you know, um, changing form and shape and whatnot. So I almost think of something like that's material kind of turning into something that's a little more etheric or ethereal, if you will. Um, and then even, you know, obviously dream time and like, you know, we live in physical reality in our waking life and then we go to sleep and then we have all these things kind of coming to mind, um, that are, you know, from source, from spirit or whatever you want to say, but definitely uh, reminds me of everything kind of dreamlike and uh, things having to do with the shadow and subconscious and, and whatnot. Um, yeah. What do you guys have to say about this card? Well, first of all, that was a great breakdown. And before I lose it, I'm just going to throw a few things out about the moon card that I hadn't really put together before this moment. First of all, that cough letter in the Hebrew alphabet associated with it, Fascinating. I didn't realize that it, the more modern understanding is that it's the back of the neck. But in uh, older, <laughs> older researchers have pointed out uh, a few pretty good reasons to associate cough with an ape, actually, that it was a word that meant ape, like a monkey. That's fascinating because, first of all, the monkeys are kind of like a shadow <laughs> to humanity in a way, you could say. Uh, then there's the interesting fact that the back of the neck is actually called the nape of the neck, which has ape in it. And then with this moon, malefic moon, or there's many different people that say the moon is like a storage receptacle for the souls of the dead in some way, or that has something to do with this incarnation cycle. That's fascinating. Um, I'll just say like to, to weave towards that, the, Word cough or kof, Q-O-P-H, is also interestingly similar to the Greek word for serpent, which is oph, O-P-H. And there's this, I learned this from uh, Dylan Sikosio's book, God's, God's Acre for Winds of the Soul. But he points out that the inhabitants of the southwest coast of India in Goa did not kill apes or serpents because they believe them to be the residences of spirits created by God to afflict mankind in punishment for sins, which is fascinating, uh, <laughs> fascinating in a lot of ways. But what I'll just say to like kind of finish up this rambling attempt to weave is how that nape of the neck, the back of the neck is also in pop, modern pop culture, heavily associated with this idea of illusion or delusion via the matrix, which is the place where they plugged people in to this artificial escape world. So all very interesting stuff. Excellent. Excellent. I love that. Um, and David Icke, for what it's worth, you know what I mean? But he says that there is a signal from Saturn being sent to the moon and the moon amplifies that signal on Earth. And that's creating a uh, Saturn moon matrix. He's, he was kind of famous for that like years ago. Um, kind of fitting in line with some of these traditions. Uh, the other thing I'll say regarding ape is that ape, the ape corresponds with Mercury. And so in some magician cards, you will see an ape 
And um, the ape in the Vedic tradition is Hanuman, who is the mercurial figure of the pantheon, one of them. Um, and then here, the Anubis figures in the Thoth card, they're actually, to me, it looks like they're holding glyphs for Mercury. And so Mercury, you know, has crescent moon or the horns on top of its head as the glyph, you know. So I, I'm starting to see just Mercury everywhere, honestly. Um, for sure. but is that your read? Um, the, the, the mercurial glyphs in the hands of Anubis? Anyone? Gabe, do you see yeah. that? Yeah, man. I was just looking at that yesterday. Uh, and, yeah, and, and reading it in the, uh, in the both instructional manual that there's a, a mercurial tie-in for sure. I'm kind of following in your footsteps, Mario. It's like I find myself really focusing on the, uh, the signs and the symbols of the season as we're, you know, as we roll into it. Um, it's a good way to do it. Yeah, man. It just, uh, you know, it's like it, it comes to you in, in its time and it's, uh, it keeps me current uh, for sure. That's right. Yeah. Well, the interesting connection between all these things, Saturn, Moon, Mercury, first of all, is the Saturn moon matrix, if you will, <laughs> may, it may just be a type of nod to the fact that Saturn is sort of like the fractal a uh, larger version of the moon in the sense that the moon takes the same number of days to complete its cycle that Saturn takes in years to complete a cycle. And so, in each case they are like Mercury. They're the terminus or the boundary point of something in the form of the moon or the month. And then with Saturn, it was the bounds of, you know, the whole sphere. It was the furthest out planet that was visible. Very interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. And a lot of the gamatria of the, of both, uh, correspond with that 28, uh, sacred 28, yeah, 27, if you're counting decimals. Uh, uh, and you know, the, uh, back of head is a BOH. And generally the moon pillar on a Masonic trace, tracing board is, I believe, Boaz. Actually, I'm kind of questioning that. Now that they've scrambled the, all the Mason, the Masonic tracing boards online. Uh, but I think that might be a, a tie into the BOH uh, moon pillar. And uh, towers make me think of your, uh, your toes, uh, where your toes are pointed. You know, uh, it's a tau, the tau cross is also a sign for pi and, uh, or a symbol of pi. Twice tau. Tau is pi times two. That's what I'm trying to say. Tau is pi twice. And in Pisces, we see pi two times in this month with the uh, the date of 227. Is a 2-2 divided by 7. You get a pi. And then we also have a 314 will be coming up in no time. And that's a 314. So there are, mind. there are two pis in Pisces. Uh, seasons. That's right. Excuses yeah, for yeah, exactly. I got a, Hey, I got a couple of reads on the card that will be. Oh yeah, yeah. For. Let's leave it up. And uh, the moon card from the Crowley deck is just ridiculous. How you could just we could talk about this all day. Yeah, we could. The so one of the the, the reads that I'm getting here, Mario, uh, with the energy pulling up from the Earth. This is something I've been thinking about in Pisces. Is the 
you know, where Pisces is the feet, it rules the feet, and where the if we were to make our zodiac man bend across itself, it goes back up to the head in Aries. So if we straighten that that line back out again, and we stand up straight, there's still a reciprocation of energy moving from the ground back up to our heaven center. And uh, in order for something like that to occur, there has to be some sort of positive and negative exchange. So maybe these these uh, these dogs and the towers represent that. And then over here on the on the Thoth card, we have a lot of sine waves galore. So many sine waves, um, and the Vesca Pisces being born out of um, you know the masculine and feminine and whatnot. But the the color spectrum is like I just keep. I'm just like, my mind keeps getting blown about the Thoth deck and the color spectrum of, in retrospect, when I think about the, the plants that are going to be, I'm going to be presenting and then, and then seeing the, the color spectrum of the Thoth deck and seeing how related it is. And so in the same way that you have the, you know, uh, the, the Zodiac man coming up to itself, imagine the visible spectrum of light. So on one side of the vis- visible spectrum of light, you have infrared beginning and then everything off into infinity and then uh, ultraviolet and everything off into infinity. And if you were to bridge those back together, um, I get, I get something like that from the, the bottom part of this both card. And I also get something like that in reading a lot of the, of the Pisces plants that I'm thinking about for tonight's presentation because of this um, mutability aspect, um, how it's changing into something that's going to have a direction. And um, that in that being Aries and um, and then also just like um, just thinking about um, mutability as, in a cosmological sense, in my own personal uh, sense and how I'm like, so I've been so influenced since we began this this uh, series, too, with the work of some of the big shooters in this um, panel right here, along with friends like Topher Gardner and Lucas King, and really thinking about the, uh, you know, the work that Mario's bringing forth with uh, the polar cosmology and um, the heliocentric model of the Zodiac as it's, as we're kind of seeing it here and, and, and finding the uh, juxtaposition or the mutability between um, and, and, and moving into the age of moving into the age of Pisces uh, is a is kind of a, a very fun notion <laughs> for for this truther uh, astrology buff. So I, re- I really, really like uh, the work that Gabe has been putting out about that, too. So, yeah, that's all I wanted to say about those cards. I got, I no, got one point. more. Go for it. I got one, I got one more before we move off the card. I I've discovered uh, this week. Um, Always, uh, I'm always uh, accentuating that 180 degree relationship, that uh, the opposite side of the of the zodiac, and so that's why I've been focusing a lot. And in the with the in the context of the moon and the reflectivity of silver, it's perfect. All things are R is the 18th letter, 18th card, reflectiveness, silver, all these things. Um, I made a great discovery uh, that I'm just going to take forever to chew on and that is that over in virgo 180 degrees from pisces is the constellation bootes and bootes has a very sacred star arcturus 
which is uh, it's the crotch of Boates. Um, I've corresponded this very powerfully with the fool card. It is the great void. And according to the Greeks and the ancients, uh, the poets need to make themselves a void, get out of their own way and allow themselves to be inspired. And so to be inspired by a God is uh, to be uh, a performer or a oracle or, you know, somebody who can uh, communicate and become a medium, mediumship, we'll say that. And Arcturus, that particular star that is the crotch of Ruotes, which is also called the kite, um, is the great horn. And this great horn is, much like a shofar, initiating a new cycle, uh, a new beginning. And it marcates the beginning of the lunar calendar. And so all of this really blows my mind because uh, I've always said that it's over here in March, which is the old pagan New Year. Well, we might actually, while we're looking at March, we might be implying the significance of a lunar calendar and a, uh, a another form of t- keeping track of time. Well, a and, lot of the ancient societies were doing parallel running to it once. Exactly. Like, in the, like these two towers here. Right. And so that's what I think about, again, to kind of support the Saturn moon matrix concept is to say that there is another form of timekeeping that is lunar based. And so it's like uh, just a, just another thread to kind of weave in here. Uh, so I thought I'd throw all that on the table before we moved away from this card. And I am seeing like kind of a kite shape, that funnel uh, in the middle of the two towers. Uh, it's not it's not exactly uh, Buotes or Arcturus, but it is an empty spot in between. It is a gap and it has a sacred little horn crotch thing going on in the middle, which looks like a volcanic uh, molten chasm to me. Well, I'm glad you brought up initiation because that's one of the things that I always think of when I see the moon card, particularly the Thoth deck, the Thoth version. And when I think about the Mercury aspect that is in this card, I mean, if Mercury is the psychopomp that is, you know, the traveler taking souls to the other realms and back and forth, it would make sense to me that it would be included in this because this to me looks like death and rebirth. Like you're, you're being initiated, you're going through the two pillars, the two towers. And I'm kind of seeing this kite thing. This makes sense to me, Gabe. I like that you brought that up because that's where my mind was going is initiation um, into these realms. And I even feel like uh, when we dream, there's like some sort of initiation that's going on. Um, that's just my own kind of take on on dreams. Um, you're being initiated almost into your own psyche in some way. And then you know, being able to take those experiences into your waking life to perhaps be initiated even further into something else. Well, the, the psychopomp aspect is evident in the bringing, like if you look in the moon card on the right, the solar disc with the scarab under the earth, it's starting to peak back up from the ground. It's like symbolic of not only the nature or life coming up out of the earth again, where it was chained or imprisoned allegorically during winter, but also it would require some pretty special psychopomp energy to take things from the feet up to the skull. The skull is the heavens as well. Like there's a whole weave there that 
uh, the whole heaven, the whole sky, the whole earth is in the head, in the skull. But yeah, that's very psychopompy to take things from under the ground or on the ground up all the way up to the heaven or the, the skull big time. That's what you see in nature right now. What's one, what's the, like one thing that's happening in our North American, uh, you know, growing aspect, the sap is running. We're taking energy from the, from the ground or from whatever. And how can that be explained? Um, <laughs> the tree is pumping it up. Um, there's something else that's happening. That's bringing water and nutrition and everything, the growing aspect from the, uh, the ground up through the tree and into the leaves. And so it, uh, it's like raining upwards again, the mutable water. Topher yeah. can explain it all to us with suction and cavitation and <laughs> some really great gravy ladling way. Right. Oh my God. I really appreciated your guys' conversation recently. Um, he's a stud, dude. Seriously. I, I think he's a badass and he blew my mind multiple times. So please have him on as much as humanly possible because I could uh, get just be my go-to if I need a show. <laughs> <laughs> talk forever. Oh, he moved here. Just a reminder, you know, everyone else can too. If you want, we can all hang out together. <laughs> right on, right on. Nice. Uh, one thing I'll say too: um, the hermetic title, the alternative hermetic title for this card is ruler of flux and reflux, which is interesting. It speaks to a lot of the things we're kind of talking about um, regarding the feet. You know, the whole thing with Pisces in the night sky is that there is like um a star that indicates the middle of two streams of the two fish splitting. And so you're looking at a big V in the night sky. So it's two, two streams that came from one stream kind of reminds me of our legs and our feet, right? Two streams that came from one stream. And then also the two towers are kind of a similar sort of thing. Whenever you see two towers, two pillars, uh, two people, et cetera, like the lover's card, you have to think about that middle way. You have to think about that middle path, the thing that kind of binds them or connects them. And so I'm just uh, thinking about that as well. It's just this idea of uh, the two streams coming from the one stream. And that is duality and polarity in a nutshell. You know, duality and polarity existed in the same space, um, you know, within a monad before things got split, in my personal opinion. So, um, yeah, lots to say in that regard. But that's pretty much what I have for the card. Go for it, Gabe. Isn't it slang to say when your feet hurt to say my dogs are killing me? <laughs> yeah, my dogs are barking. Yeah, that's kind of funny. And uh, back uh, back over on Boates, uh, over there in Virgo, there's a there's actually two dogs over there in Virgo uh, that are right uh, parallel to the great horn of the initiation of the lunar calendar called Canis. I always screw this word up. Canis Vinat. TC, V-E-N-A-T-I-C-I. Um, and that is an anagram for Vatican science. And I'm just going to walk away. I'm going to leave it at that. That is weird. That's just weird. But I just thought I'd throw that out too. That uh, that title for those, uh, for that, it's like a minor, minor constellation. It's not even in the deacons. It's like, you know, a side constellation out of the 88. Uh, yeah, Canis Venetici. But I'd throw that on the table. I also wonder if the a reason for the dogs being here is the guardians of the underworld and whether you're going into the underworld or leaving the underworld, you gotta go past those dogs at the gate. Yep, for sure. Yeah, so let's, I guess we'll move us forward. I was flipping through my star <laughs> atlas here. <laughs> Always good to have on hand. 
So, yeah, so there's a few other aspects of Pisces. You know, the big benefit of this series is that you could use it to learn astrology or the zodiac anyway, as much as about herbalism. Really cool. So Pisces, season is winter, modality mutable. Planets are Jupiter and Neptune. Interesting. Venus exalts in Pisces. Mer- Mercury is in its detriment. I didn't realize that. I don't have all that aspect memorized. The polarity to Pisces is Virgo. And yeah, spirituality and endings, the feet. I believe <laughs> that's the mantra. Very cool. Anyone have any experience with the iron phosphate cell salt? I don't have direct experience with it, but I was reviewing that chapter in uh, the Zodiac and the Salts of Salvation, which is pretty much like the go-to book if you're interested in cell salts and how they relate to the Zodiac. And what I recalled and what I read today is that um, a lot of it has to do with blood and it has to do with purifying the blood. And um, so then I'm reminded of blood streams, right? Our bloodstream. And what the book was saying is that Pisces, because it represents endings, um, that it has to do with the extremities of like our, um, our, the different systems in our body that have like, uh, kind of like a veiny sort of quality to them. So like, just as an example, literally our veins, you know, so the fact that Pisces is at the end of the year, um, it was making all of these relationships with like rivers and like the branches of like a world tree and like the veins in our body and um, blood being pumped to the extremities of our body. And so um, I know that's what it was relating a lot of um, iron phosphates benefits to is to uh, the blood and the blood of life. And uh, they were talking about the metaphor of uh, water being turned to wine and then um, blood symbolism as it relates to grapes and, you know, lots of biblical things. Um, But that's kind of just what I picked up from gleaning it today. Now, we, got, we got a plant that's got high in iron phosphate, probably the highest source of iron phosphate ahead. So it's pretty cool. Ooh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I want to throw in too that in the, Gabe, you brought up the lunar calendar and in the ancient cultures that would have been running concurrent solar and lunar calendars, it was the style of the ancient world to actually have a 360 day solar calendar. Because that was seen as perfect. And then even after it was realized that that's actually not a solar year, the five dead days or the five, I mean, there's five days that are thrown in that are not where nothing is done. Right. I find that interesting for many reasons, but specifically that there are South American civilizations that did that European, Asian, like it's a, (laughs) to me, that practice is a, important clue to the ancient universal system that connected everything at one point. But I find it fascinating that most likely those five dead days, I I assume probably would have fallen in the Piscean tropical season because that would be what's before the start of the new year in the vernal equinox new year style. You know, before then we added the Romans added Janus Ueri, right? I could be wrong about that, but I reckon probably those five dead days would be in Pisces and I say dead days, but they're like floating days out of time. And that's very Piscean as a concept to be like in another world or outside of 
the norm or in the unknown, the uncharted land. Right. And that those days, like nothing would get done. Nobody is doing any work. They're not part of the civil year or the, you know, that's like your vacation time. And you have a leap, your leap day when that happens in our current solar calendar happens during Pisces as well. And you leap off of your feet. There's a lot there. <laughs> they say uh, symbolically, you lead with your head and your feet follow. So your feet are, are known for trailing behind sort of thing, almost like a tail. I, I would say like physiognomic looking uh, the, the Pisces person, like I see them, their feet leading them as if they're fishes that are just kind of uh, in these little eddy currents that are unseen of the ether, just like moving from task to task uh, from the, from the observer point of view, it might just look like somebody's dilly dallying, but from a Piscean energy perspective, they're moving from interest to interest where the, where the current of energy moves them. And that's why some of these Pisces that we can think of in our, in our lives probably have a lot of, they're kind of like jack of all trades when it comes to interest, you know, their, their interests are, are, are many because they're moving like the Pisces. And so, um, one one last little Pisces fun fact that I think is really cool for the, um, I don't know, um, health aspects. I think of Pisces also being uh, related to, I mean, it's oftentimes if you look it up in a book, it's like, oh, it's the immune system. And so it's like, what's what does that mean? And I think a really great definition of the immune system was put forth in uh, Topher HQ's last podcast with Dr. Daniels, where she describes the uh, the thermos and it keeps everything in that's supposed to be in and it keeps everything out that's supposed to be out. You know, it keeps the, the water cold. It's supposed to be cold and keeps the water warm. And in the Ayurvedic tradition, this is known as Ojas, which is the energetic container. Um, and I, and so it's, there is this, when it comes to water, it's trying to do two things, really. It's trying to find its, uh, its containment and it's trying to get to the bottom, uh, where the feet are, you know, it's, it always wants to go to the lowest point. And so having a really good energetic container is, uh, I think, is really important to cultivate during Pisces season. So there's Jupiter, which doesn't not really necessarily concerned about keeping things in. It's just like, I just want to break free. I just want to be as abundant as big as possible. Um, and uh, so a lot of these plants that we'll talk about today have the, um, the aspect of the accumulation of all of the previous signs before them into the salinity of the body, which would, which would, we could kind of for all intents and purposes, call our immune system, that which is um, tr- the energetic container, or um, we could think about the container as like the lymph vessels or the blood vessels um, in, or the, um, the line, the mucosal lining of the lymph of the, of the, um, uh, uh, What's it called? <laughs> YouTube, uh, your intestines. Sorry, I had a little brain fart there. Um, <laughs> you know, the tube, it's a big tube. It's inside you. I have, I have mercury in Pisces. So just there's that. Let me explain my detriment. Oh, there. me too. High five. <laughs> <laughs> my so, new brand new nephew, a Pisces, who's just born. First of all, all like literally all he does is sleep. Which is very Piscean. And, but while he's sleeping, his feet and his toes are active and like wiggling and moving constantly. It's very cute, but I just think that's funny. 
I love that. That's awesome. Uh, just because we're going to move on here, I know it, but the polarity uh, Virgo, uh, it's very interesting that the Virgo glyph has a little fish in it. Um, it. It's depicted a few different ways, you know, but it has a little fish in it because in my opinion, it is the polarity. Well, we know it's the polarity of Pisces and there's lots of um, Christ symbolism, you know, related to Pisces as well. And you can make the case that obviously uh, Virgo is the Virgin, the Virgin Mary, etc. So uh, yeah, looking at the polarities of the signs unlocks so much awesome stuff like that. Interesting too, that my sister who just had this Pisces baby is a Virgo. Ooh, very interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're getting deep into the water element here. Very so cool. So I just threw these in here. They're from my study packets. Um, but, you know, there's just stuff going on in here. As an example, Make one sure of the people know how they can get these study packets real quick. Oh, right on. Yeah. Uh, symbolicstudies.com. Uh, they're actually a name your price study packet. So people have named their price uh, ever since I released them. It's four pages uh, right now, but I am going to be expanding them at some point. So uh, they're elementally focused. So I have a page for water, earth, air, fire. And then uh, underneath this section, I have each of the signs broken down uh, within that element. And they come to you via PDFs. And uh, if you wanted, uh, people who sign up for my Patreon basically get it for free anyway. So I just send them a link. So you can either uh, name your own price, get it that way, or you can sign up for my Patreon. And you'll see stuff like this. Uh, as an example, the triangular symbol, uh, the alchemical triangular symbol for water looks like a vessel, right? It looks like you can hold something in there. And then the circular symbol has this horizontal line through it which reminds me of the whole principle of water always being flat and seeking a level, you know? And so that's what I personally think of. It also reminds me of the line literally that you see within the Pisces glyph, which the next slide uh, we'll see that. And then uh, the platonic solid is the icosahedron. And then uh, here are some of my correspondences on the left, you know, um, playing cards. It's the hearts. I think the four main mathematical functions have elemental correspondences and I put uh, subtraction as the function that corresponds with water. Once again, for that same reason, water seeking a level, but whenever you're dealing with water symbolism, you're thinking of vessels and cups and things like that. So there's that empty space. And it's interesting because I know I can't even remember what show is on now, but the whole entire like implosion sort of uh, constriction, restriction sort of quality of life being really, really important to, um, you know, for a lot of different things, for life to even just occur. And that's like the important part of our heart is like the restrictive component, the heart like tightening, you know. Um, so I think subtraction totally corresponds with water. And then uh, there's a few other things here, but you guys can screenshot it or read it if you'd like. The This water subtracted the medicinal qualities of my plant that I'm drinking here. And it's in the water now. Ooh, nice, nice, nice. nice. I like it. <laughs> There you go. And, you know, subtract, that's like, that kind of indicates the feet as well. Like sub underneath and track. Uh, it, and also that glyph, the one you're talking about that's level, it uh, resembles the uh, alchemical symbol for salt, which is a circle with a line through it. So you, uh, it could Im imply that this is not just any water. This is the ocean. This is the oceanic salt water. Excellent. I love that, dude. Very cool. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm now a patron of Symbolic Studies. Somehow I missed that that was an option. 
Oh, nice. So, <laughs> right uh, check out nice. Mario's Patreon. And uh, Michelle's got a Patreon. Gabe should have a Patreon. <laughs> we'll let he you really know when should. he does. Thank yeah, you, we Peter. want to give you money. You do great work. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> okay, good. Just making sure. There's other ways, too. You might do better with the Substack, but, you know, we can talk shop any other time about that. You guys want to move forward in the slides? I mean, we're an hour deep, so maybe we Let's should do have herbs. Yeah. But this is great. People hopefully can just screenshot this little one if they want to keep it in mind. Water. And especially after last week's vibrant with uh, Veda Austin, I mean, it's provable that water actually does represent all of these qualities and virtues. It's quite amazing. Yeah, that was a great show as well. Oh, that's all her. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Veda. (laughs) So um, I threw this in here, too. It was an Instagram post that I made recently. It's a little dark here, I've noticed. uh, But um, basically, it's the Pisces symbol in the middle of a Taurus field. And that line in the middle, it's interesting because when you see Pisces illustrated, Oftentimes, the two fish have like a cord going from mouth to mouth, or sometimes they're linked um, via the tail. They have a cord or a ribbon wrapped around their tails, which are connected. And that's what a lot of Pisces illustrations look like when they're showing um, the constellation and they have a graphic overlay. It'll be two fish and they're uh, corded together with this ribbon that represents the bottom of the V that is the constellation. Um, but it's fascinating when you consider the toroidal implications with this, because that line in the middle represents the plane of inertia, which, um, you know, you and Topher talked about recently, the plane of inertia being like what we live on. If we live on, you know, within a great toroidal field that might be egg shaped or like a, a tree of life or whatever you want to say. So there's lots of fascinating things kind of going on. Uh, with that. And I'm not sure if Kyle, if you had something to say about this, but I think maybe you wanted this in here, if I'm not mistaken. I just think it looks cool. So yeah, right. It's a great, a great visual <laughs> representation of, of the recon, of the interconnectedness of all things, which is, uh, you know, symbolized also in Pisces. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a great weave about the toroidal field symbol there. Yeah, let's get into plantain though. Yes. I'm not going to detract a plant more time. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we're here for some plants. (laughs) Plantain. Also, one of my very favorite plants. Oh man, am I a big old fan of this garden weed? It's one of the 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 most stepped on plants ever. And that's everywhere here. Uh, We have plantago, we have the planta of the feet. Where the planta go, uh, the planta go grow. How about that? <laughs> um, so lots of really cool signatures in this one here. But the one that stands out to me is the big picture signature and how this plant really likes to return uh, nature to <laughs> return concrete to nature. It's like, oh, I see what you did here. You put a, you put a walkway. Let me just break it up for you. Um, plantain is a people lover and that's because it likes to grow in, um, trodden soil. Another nickname for this plant is footprint plant. Some people call it like there's named like white man's footprint, but there's native versions of this plant. In fact, this one that we're looking at here is a North American native. Um, and yes, plantain energetically, 
if we were to taste plantain, put it in our mouth, the flavors that we would discern um, or the energetic actions that we would discern would be astringent, kind of pulls the the cheeks to the to your teeth, kind of sucks up the, the mucus or it tightens up the membranes. It creates a container. And demulcent, which means it makes it slippery at the same time. Huh, that's kind of weird. It's dry and slippery at the same time. Oh, that sounds like a mutable action if you ever had one. Um, so we have something that's capable of moistening tissues and drying them out. If you were um, if you were making like one of those like slides, those like those like yellow slides that like people had that had big yards when you were a kid and they had those big yellow slides. We didn't have a big enough yard, but um, and you weren't able to slide on it. There could be a couple of reasons. One, it's not tight enough. And two, it's not wet enough. So when your tissues lack the ability to slide things down them, let's just say, what's that tube called again? Uh, 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 oh, yeah, the intestines. Um, or <laughs> your, um, your, your, any type, anything that your mucosal uh, tissue touches, whether it's the inside of your nose, the inside of your mouth, your lungs, your, bron- your bronchial tubes, any, anything that's a tube. Um, the plantain is, is really helpful for, but it's also really helpful at moving the interstitial fluid that, that, uh, matrix, but the structured water that's in between the cells of our body and, uh, let's say defragmenting it. Um, and so this is why this, a lot of people know this plant as the mosquito bite plant. You get bit by a mosquito, you get bit by a bee, take a little bit of plantain, chew it up, plop it down. Um, you teach little kids this, they love it. They're like, they'll like, uh, they get permission to like pick up plants off the ground and put them in their mouth. Um, <laughs> so that's really fun to teach little kids about this one because it heals boo-boos. And how does it do that? It, it, it has this drawing action from tightening up the tissues and it soothes it from the demulcent action that it has too. So, um, and like I said, that defragmentation, there's this signature that looks like a snake. So this is a really good uh, plant for pulling venom out, pulling out bites or mosquito bites or even snake bites. Um, it's probably the most, one of the most uh, excellent plants in my repertoire because I, I like it for so many things, uh, digestive issues, lung problems, skin problems, first aid. Um, it's just so awesome to identify this plant and be like, oh my God, you're around, you're around everywhere. We have you all around North America. And uh, what you're like capable of being like the most important plant in my life. This is awesome. And so uh, that's another thing. Another signature of this plant is that it's saying, uh, can I be your friend? (laughs) Because it just wants to grow by us. And uh, yeah, there's so many uh, awesome things about plantain. I'll I'll shut up now. (laughs) I can go on about this one. (laughs) Well, yeah, I love the just chew it up and plop it on where the boo-boo is, but are there any other ways that this plant might be prepared or used easily for the majority of us who probably have it in our yards? Yeah, you can grab some plantain, uh, put it into a blender with a little bit of rubbing alcohol and then strain it. Now you got a nice liniment that you could spray on. Um, if you don't feel like putting a plant in your mouth um, and mixing it with your saliva and getting the, the signature impression of your own stuff, okay, fine. Some people don't, but uh, that's another way. Uh, as a tea, it's pretty, it tastes like ground. It tastes like the uh, the bottom of a lawnmower, I guess. It doesn't really have much flavor other than uh, plant. 
And it, so there's, it's non-aromatic. So some people will even put it in the young leaves into the salad. They're chewy. Uh, the, as the leaves get older, they get more bitter. They get more tough, just like we do um, <laughs> as we get older. Um, and so, yeah, there's many, many ways. I like it as a tincture. I, I'm sure it's in one of those tinctures that I sent you. And I like it as a liniment. And there's just many ways. You can put it in a vinegar. You can rinse your hair with it. Um, I'm sure Michelle's got some ideas too. <laughs> yeah, those are all that yeah, lovely. This is one of the more universal plants. And one of the things I love to do is make an oil out of it. Um, because with an oil, you can put it on wounds. You can put it into a salve. Um, that's, uh, that is my first, uh, usage of plantain was for wounds and making a wound healing salve with it. And it's phenomenal. And as K- Kyle said, one of my favorite things about it is its pulling action of being able to remove certain things from the skin that you don't want in there right and when i see it too it looks like it could be underwater um it has a very just like watery feeling to it to me um it looks almost kind of like a some sort of lily kind of leaf structure and it looks like the uh you know the flowers could be like waving underneath the current of the ocean or something like that i get a very feminine feeling from this plant as well that's psyllium, by the way. The the husk of this, the flower. You ever heard oh, of psyllium? It's a yeah. laxative. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's a fiber that that is a laxative because it's fibrous and it's also demulcent. So it wouldn't be necessarily indicated for somebody who's super, super dry because um if, if somebody's really dry constipated, that adding more fiber without adding a lot more fluid is gonna back them up. Um in fact, just you know, constipation should have more fluids in general, but this is a, yeah, this is a really great way of like just bulking up a recipe too. If you are using baking without eggs or something like that, for example, um, the, so yep. Yeah. There's many multi-purpose multi here. How long after ingesting, uh, will the mosquito repellent take effect? Uh, it doesn't repel the mosquitoes. It heals. I, I always tell my students and people I'm on herb walks with, I give you the plantain guarantee. And I start, I put on my car salesman hat and I say, I, you chew this bad boy up and slap it on your mosquito bite. And I guarantee you that tomorrow it won't itch. Um, so oh, gotcha. It's gotcha. Kind okay. of like a, a afterward, after effect. Um, however, oh, I, I like to put it into my mosquito repellent uh, that I spray. Uh, just mm. in case the mosquitoes get through the barrier, then it's like, uh, uh, well, uh, at least it healed itself. <laughs> Pre-plantained. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right on. Thanks for clarifying. Oh, this is so cool. It's a very recognizable plant for how plain plantain is. <laughs> and it's good. I, I would have loved to have known this as a kid that I could chew it up and put it on. I mean, I've seen it my whole life around here, but. I'm one of those people blessed with some kind of innate natural mosquito repelling superpower. So I don't really get bit too much. I don't know why. Right. So I, I love that you described the slip and slide because uh, they're yellow, which makes me think of a banana because you slip on banana peels. Right. Uh, so that's a nice memory hook uh, to, to remember the name of it at, at least. And, but uh, by any chance, does it have uh, potassium? Because isn't that a, a thing with bananas? 
I'm just I'm just throwing that out. Are there wonder. two things called plantain, or do these make yeah. little bananas when they get bigger? No, they don't make little bananas. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so we're cool. thinking of two different kinds of plantain. There are two, two different kinds of plantain there, and the other one is not plantago. That's uh, that's closer to the banana. I don't know. I know this is a really nutritive plant. It has a lot of uh, minerals in it, and if it's growing and pulling up, it's if it's got its vitality from growing in rocks, then I bet you it's got all that you need, like mineral wise, just like there's a lot of plants that I think that uh, there's another one we'll talk about too, that has just grows, it grows in rocks and it has, it's very, very high in minerals. So I bet you the potassium is there. In fact, um, dandelion leaf is my favorite source of potassium. So if this is growing, then you know that you're, you're going to find some dandelion leaf around there too. Right. All right, well, let's move forward here. Valerian. Oh, oh, very cool. Yes, Valerian. So this is, um, well, it is sometimes known as an herb of witches. And so there's a magical, there's a very magical property to Valerian. Um, and oh, can it's I all- just say something really quick? I'm sure. sorry. Yeah, I, go- I just looked it up on plantain, plantago. I was like, well, what does that plantago mean in Latin? Planta in Latin means the sole of the foot. So yep. that's super. All right. It's Piscean as, as AF. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, Valerian, carry on. My bad, Michelle. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. Um, yes. Well, I'll just go off of the foot riff. And one of the reasons why Valerian came to me for Pisces is that the root of Valerian is typically what is usually used at, for the medicine. But a lot of times people say that the, the root of Valerian smells like feet. Now, it does have a very pungent particular smell. I wouldn't necessarily link it to feet personally. I've never really smelled feet that smell like Valerian root, but that is what commonly you'll read about in books and things like that. And so going back to the herb of witches, it's um, an herb of protection too. And so it can be used to cleanse spaces and people. Um, the thing about valerian, another reason why I wanted to bring it in for Pisces is because it's very well known as a sleep aid. And it can be very potent in terms of kind of knocking somebody out, basically. But the interesting thing about this plant is that some people, it reacts to it with sleepiness and then others it's a stimulant so i'm very cautionary when i'm making like you know sleep blends or or teas having to do with sleep um unless i know the person and know that they work well with valerian i kind of stay away from it because you could give it to somebody as a sleep tea and they're drinking it you know right before bed and it might actually wake them up it's kind of an interesting thing um, this is a great plant for people who are maybe struggling with alcoholism and drug addiction, which is another thing with the Piscean energy that we kind of talked about in the beginning, tendency to escapism. And a lot of times it's through substance abuse. And so valerian, because it has like pain relieving properties, can really be calming to anxiety, nervousness. Um, it would be really great for somebody who might be struggling with withdrawals or having, you know, just a really rough time, um, maybe getting through something challenging like that. And Valerian could be an ally for people in that sense. Um, great for the circulatory system, as I said, stress and nervousness. Um, one of the links to the witches, I think, is also that 
uh, cats are typically attracted to the scent of valerian flowers. So if you have a cat and you can even plant like catnip and valerian near each other and um, some cats are very attracted to the scent of it. And the scent is kind of like woodsy and also almost like musty a little bit. Uh, it's it's one of those scents where some people love it, some people don't love it, um, but it's a gorgeous flower. Um, and I just really love everything about this plant and is one of my first ones that I really began working with. It's another great one that can be used in smoke blends um, for a sleep blend. Um, if you smoke valerian root and you uh, are not a person that gets stimulated from it, you will fall asleep and you will fall asleep hard. <laughs> it's it's very potent. So it's not one of those ones that you want to kind of mess around with. Um, you know, they have the saying of don't go operate hop- heavy machinery. Exactly, brother. You took it right out of my mouth. That's exactly one of the ones I caution people with. If you're if you're going to be smoking it or even taking a tincture because tinctures of it can be very strong um, for certain people, it could be a little much so. Just one of those um, that I wanted to t- point out. And um, another thing that I came across when I was researching this is that valerian root was actually used in Solomon's sprinkler, which I didn't know what Solomon's sprinkler was. So I looked that up and it's 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 a holy oil or not a holy oil, but um, basically like a holy water that he would he it's said that he would like sprinkle either on himself or on people. And then the Valerian brought in a sense of protection into that mix. So I'm not sure if any of you have heard of that Solomon sprinkler, but I was uh, excited to bring it up because I figured uh, somebody here would have something to maybe say about it. The Google search just gave me images of Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. I just like that. It's got valor in the name, you know? And you really got to tap into your valor maybe to overcome something like addiction. And then yeah. the word refers to like strong or fortitude health. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh, sorry. Oh, and just anytime you see the uh, officinalis, second mm-hmm. word in the plant, assume that that means it's something that has medicinal use, which is cool because that's like, it's got ofis in it, which is the serpent, the wise. Back to mm. that cough. cough off oaf thing we were talking about before yeah very interesting i love that well and then the valeri the the it's high in valeric acid that's one of the main ingredients in it or main like constituents and that's also found in hops and hops has that same kind of like sleepy you know kind of uh sedative thing going on um okay so valerian and like in a, from an energetic standpoint, if you were again, if we we're gonna taste valerian and smell it and taste smell the tea and be with it and like, huh, how, what does this do? Just from like how our, how it's presenting to our senses, it's aromatic, which means it has a decongestant activity, and not necessarily like decongesting of the lungs or the sinuses, but like there's some sort of blockage or tension going on. Um, and it also is really stinky, like skunk. It has like this acrid smell, the the smell of acridity. Um, which is the flavor of bile on the back of your tongue. And any plant that has like an acrid t- taste or smell, and there's some others that we were talking about in the presentation today, have a sedative effect. So valerian has that sedative effect. However, it is not sedative. It is contraindicated um, for certain groups of people. And I'll explain. 
if you're a pizza type of person from the Ayurvedic tradition, that's the fiery, you have a hot, hot constitution, let's just say. Um, valerian, the way that it decongests is that it moves all of our um, fluids from the core of our body outwards to our periphery. And it makes us feel nice and warm. It makes us feel like cozy, like we're warmed up in a blanket. For somebody with a, uh, a colder constitution or like less circulation, that feels really good and sedating. But for somebody who's generating a lot of heat, it actually makes them more irritated. So there is a, uh, a Indian version of this plant called Jatamanzi, and that's in, uh, that's the Indian valerian, basically. And that one has the same kind of qualities as Michelle's mission here, um, but that would be indicated for the hot constitution because it's uh, it's cooling. Um, so you can mix them together if you're like right in the middle or something like that. Um, and um, the smell of valerian is very captivating. It really is. It's it's uh, it's something that starts fights over. Like, do you like the smell of your own bo? Some people are like, yeah, I love it. Some people are like, no, it's gross. Uh, do you like the smell of uh, dank cheese from France? Like, some people are like, oh, it's awesome. That's the kind of that's the kind of like conversation that you have when you ask somebody, do you like the smell of this? When you hand them Valeria. Um and um, so, like Michelle said, cats like it. And I've even heard a lore that like the Pied Piper. It brought my was, cats into the room. Nice. <laughs> no, it's one of them, but there's two in here. <laughs> the, the Pied Piper was like packing Valerian and uh, maybe smudging with it or something like that. And uh, getting all of the, um, I know it was, it was the, like the story is like rats through the streets, but um, I, I think it was just like uh, whoever this mythical person was, was like a, attracting. I think that there's a, an Orpheus resonance to the Pied Piper story too. So it's just like attracting the animals attract, like being able to have the green song. Um, but it's not necessarily audible to us. It's audible in a, in a olfactory kind of way. <laughs> if you catch my, if you, if you smell what the, <laughs> what typical <laughs> new herbs is cooking. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I got something to layer on here that is going to be kind of weird. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about Solomon's sprinkler, the fact that uh, Solomon probably has a harem of women in his, in his royal chambers. Valerian is an anagram for venereal. And I wonder on if on the down low, there are some uses for this for certain, you know, uh, uh, Valentine's transmitted diseases. <laughs> Just a thought. That's very interesting. I'm not surprised that you would pull that one out and uh, present that as a, as a potential correspondence. It's very of course, that, 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 you. Yeah, that's what he's here for, of course. <laughs> it's what you're here for. We're here, which way we have you here. Absolutely. Uh, I've just got me wondering about just Emperor Valerian, who I've never really done much study into. But there's probably some good gravy in that, too. Yeah. And I want to look into the Pied Piper. Uh, I haven't decoded that or looked into that in freaking forever. I hardly even know what it's about, but I'm looking at images of just like... Probably Polestar symbolism. Ha, 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 I think you're right. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, very, very interesting. I'm curious to learn more. You know, though, the word pied is like the Spanish word for feet, which is spelled P I E S. Uh, right. 
whatever. And they're, they're following in his tracks. Totally. So may I ask what the witchy correspondence is for Valerian or why it's called an herb of witches? I personally, I think it has something to do with the protection aspect as well as the, even the connection to cats that that's my sense about it. Um, but that's something I've come across on multiple occasions reading through books that it's mentioned as an herb of witches. And I, I get the sense that it has something to do with protection in cats and even just the sleepiness of it. Um, because a lot of times witches or the herbs that are associated with witches either have like psychoactive, sleepy dream kind of connotations to them because they're travelers in the astral and they have the symbolic method of travel on the brooms, which was usually induced by some sort of, you know, psychoactive plant that they were using, whether they were ingesting it or putting it onto their skin or burning it. Um, that's my hunch with it. Good stuff. Oh, and this is just a photo of the root just to show, because as I said in the beginning, it's typically the roots are what are used. Um, when you come across valerian, a lot of times it's going to be the valerian root that people are using. But I've never made a, a flower essence of valerian, but I um, I feel like I should do that at some point because um, I know that they would have some very potent energy to share as well. Oh, I've heard a lot about Blue Lotus, but I never tried it. Here we go. I'm I'm drinking some right now. As a matter of fact, doing my homework. Um, and last night I was like, I got to study this plant a little bit more. So I was making a, a cup of tea and Serena, my wife, was standing next to me and Davide is standing on my feet. Um, everyone's on the stove and and my wife goes, Daddy's going to do some astral traveling tonight. <laughs> I said, yes, I, yes, I am. <laughs> and then I drank the tea and then I proceeded to smoke it too. So a couple of uh, fun, let's like, for, for those of you who are like, I just want to, I just want to like smoke plants and like, uh, and like go into astral dreams. All right. I hope your ears peaked up because this is what we're going to talk about here. Blue Lotus. Now, it looks um, like it came out of a dream. It looks like a fantasy world plant. Totally. Okay. So I think that because like entire, you know, uh, like monasteries of religions and faiths have been dedicated to meditating on the symbolism of the Lotus, um, that it would be really easy for a panel like this to just keep opening a petal here and there as we go and go and go. Um, <laughs> of course, the symbolism of opening, there's the, look at how the plant grows. It grows in, in like still stagnant water. There's even the Egyptian myth. This is the blue Lotus comes from the Nile. Um, and so the Egyptian myth of creation is embedded in the Lotus where the, it's almost similar a lot to the biblical myth where there's this void of the waters and all of a sudden poof, something comes upon it. Right. And as it opens, you know, the, the Lotus is a symbol of the Ark. Ah, nice. The Lotus that the God or the savior is writing on is like the, the logos on the Ark Lotus logos. Nice. Nice dude. Um, 
Yeah. So that so it's okay. It opens up in the morning, follows the path of the sun. Sun goes down, close back up. So there's so they're like that must be that must be that raw guy hanging out in there. Um, and so yeah, lots and lots and lots of things to ponder. So they're like, huh? I wonder what it's I wonder what it's like. I wonder what it tastes like. I wonder what it feels like. And um, certainly the scent is intoxicating. It is so, um, it's so amazing. So the word, uh, carula in the species name of this plant indicates, um, in Italian carula means wax. So it's waxy, it's hydrophobic, so to say. Um, so the, the water repels from, uh, from this plant and the oils, uh, prosper. It's a very, very, very beautiful oil. I mean, it's just like the kind of smell that just like grabs you. And it's like, it has this mystery to it. Like, what is that? What is that smell? Um, where, where have I smelt it before? It really, it really pulls your mind. So when I was drinking this tea last night, um, I was really glad that you mentioned earlier about the nape of the neck, because I was having this feeling at the nape of my neck. It was like, it was like the hair was standing up at the back and I, and I was like, should I be in attention? I was like trying to sleep and I could not sleep because I have the constitution that if I take something that is charging up my astral plane for dreams and visions, then that means I can't sleep. I'm just going to have my dreams and visions while, while awake. Man, so whenever I'm having like a moment of like vibing out of the construct or whatever, <laughs> I feel like I'm about to just wake up and be in a different like uh universe that this was all a dream from. I'm always like unconsciously like, I start touching the back of my neck and uh, I've noticed that as a pattern whenever I'm sort of starting to trip or come out of my body, not like I'm on something either, but just whenever there's a big vibrational shift or like after really intense psychic experiences in tunings or the, that type of deal uh, or like just a really high vibrational experience. I'm just touching the back of my neck a lot and I don't even mean to do it. That's the red pill, man. So, <laughs> yeah. I, last night I was blue. drinking this tea and I was having visions of winged serpents and uh, sand moving across hieroglyphs. And it, my mind was, all, my, my imagination, I should say, was very alive. The first, the initial feeling that I had when I was drinking this tea last night was that my third eye was like pushing out of my head like a duck bill. Like it felt like the, the, the word duck bill came to my mind. Like it was like, um, and of course, uh, this plant being a, a representation of the crown chakra. So if you go back to my example of the Zodiac man, you know, Aries right here, cerebrum and cerebellum skull, I think, uh, distinguishing between skull and Pisces also being flowing back up to crown chakra, putting myself in the screen here, which is above. So there's that mutability aspect that's like not quite to heaven yet. And look at this, look at how this plant rises above the surface um, and moves a- away from the water. It's not like resting on the water. It doesn't have that, uh, that aspect to it. It's really, really beautiful. And the symbolism of that too. I wonder if there's anything else I wanted to talk about. Oh, my, my, uh, 
My first tattoo that I ever got when I was 18 years old is kind of an embarrassing Lotus tattoo because I wanted to be a, a badass with a tattoo, but I was also into like Buddhism and, you know, so I was like, oh, let's there, see you know. it, dude. Okay, I'll show you. I, do. I was like, you I'll, get a lotus, I'll get a lotus that's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. I'm going to make a big screen. <laughs> Cue the music. Yeah. I told you. I'm embarrassed of it, but whatever. It's fine. Uh, Face your fears. We probably all have bad tattoos. <laughs> okay, so. let me make it big. Uh, solo. Look at that. Fire Lotus. Yeah. I'm such a badass 18 year old. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's a good choice for a yeah. first like tattoo. Meditation and like, yeah, those the, the artist was like, how about this? I was like, what are you into? Like meditation and, you know, Buddha and Siddhartha. He's like, how about we make it on fire? I'm like, yeah, dude. <laughs> Man, you know. My first tattoo Anybody was a Spider Man logo. So, you know, I think you. That's cooler. <laughs> Lotus. Uh, so there's my there's my rant on uh, on the Blue Lotus. I think it's so much fun. I think it's a wonderful smoke. I think it's a great way of feeling um, like an entheogen, but also feeling like you're just drinking a cup of tea. It doesn't really have. It's not like profound. Like whoa, what happened to me? But it was like I had some very very vivid dreams and very vivid visualizations. And when I was um, Here's the other thing too. I thought you, I really liked how you brought up the, the idea of uh, Ormus and um, Orgone, I should say, in your previous uh, interview with, uh, with uh, Topher and how it, it responds to intention and that plants are basically uh, accumulating Orgone constantly. And I always am trying to teach people um, in my, in my work and in, in my medicine making that these plants need a direction. They need a little intention. They really like to respond to direction. So I'm drinking my blue lotus tea right now, and I'm telling it. I was whispering to it uh, psychically, but I'll, I'll whisper it to it audibly so everyone here, hey, uh, can you please help me power up my um, my channel so that I can really flow with the gang here tonight on Vibrant? Thank you. And it's like, done. Um, so <laughs> That is so awesome. I love that. <laughs> Well, medicine, yeah, medicine really likes to respond that way, but especially psychic medicine. And uh, and in the Piscean age, I feel like, or well, the Piscean age, but also the Piscean season, um, I feel like that that the channel of communication is very open and not resistant at all. So, yeah. Where do you get That's your perfect. blue lotus? Uh, this was gifted to me, um, and I get so I've I've never actually sold it or worked with it other than this offering that's been gifted to me, but uh, I had been thinking about it. So I'm going to get some cause I have a supplier that's in uh, it's in Egypt. So this is an Egyptian plant. Awesome, man. I'm yeah. let me, let us know when yeah. you have that yeah, stock and then we can yes. support you by getting it through you. That'd be great. Um, yeah. I second that uh, when you get it, I'd love to support you guys with it because I've been really curious about it as well. And I keep hearing about it and it's really like gained a lot of prop popularity um, lately. I've heard it's really great for anxiety um, specifically. Yes. So Specific, yeah. Yep. Anxiety. It's just like, I would say it's euphoric. Can you tell okay. by my disposition tonight? I feel very <laughs> euphoric and relaxed. <laughs> you know, it's almost like uh, an indicator of how anxiety is really a lack of imagination because fear is 
in a way you're just condensing what you expect out of reality down to one outcome that you're like, it has to be like, it has to be like this. And if it's any other way, it won't be okay. But with imagination, you can start to see how every, every outcome of reality is actually okay. Ultimately. Damn, so that is to see a, how imagination and anxiety that could help That could help. That is a power weave, man. Woo. Well spoken. I dig the heck out of that chance. Also, so Oh, Go ahead, Slick. Well, I got an anagram, but I, uh, it's because my mind is on our little private chat comment we just had in there. But uh, so, uh, Nymphia Cerula. Am I even close? Nymphia Cerula? With the uh, scientific name of Blue Lotus here? Yeah. Uh, Cerula or Cerula. Yeah. So I got a little anagram here. Ma happy ceremony. That's kind of fun. Uh, and also, um, I just learned that the another name for the um, that Buotes over in Virgo, uh, 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 its Chinese name is the Azure Dragon, or the or like which I'm pretty sure is blue. It's the Blue Dragon is the other name for in Chinese. Uh, uh, astrology. That's the other name for Buote. So I thought I'd drop that in the mix. Nice, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I was just going to point out uh, obviously nymph is right there and then uh, I was just looking into it but nymph uh, meaning in Greek young woman, bride, young wife and then that relates very much to Virgo, the maiden, the virgin right? And all of that stuff. So there you go. So that's interesting. And then I don't want to hijack the conversation too much but um Chance, when you were talking to Topher, you guys were talking about water turning into light. And I think that's brilliant. And I think it's fascinating, kind of some of the Walter Russell type stuff and everything else you guys were You mean light here. turning into water or something? Sorry, something did I say did I say the opposite? I mean, it seems interchangeable, but I'm <laughs> light, light turning into water. Excuse me. Thank you. Uh, and then you had mentioned something about the arc being like a plug or like a uh, something that stops the flood or the waters or whatever. And uh, that totally, I feel like it helped me click a few things into place. And I started looking into it within Freemasonry. The um, arc is the keystone. And so you generally see the arch, the royal arch with the keystone up top, which light comes through and then uh, goes in between the two pillars. And all of this is symbolism to me that really reflects everything you guys are talking about regarding uh, light turning into water. And this relates to cancer and a bunch of other things. But within uh, the Freemasonic context, within their symbolism, the uh, the arc is the keystone, which is why you see them in so many uh, illustrations together and everything. But we can talk about that another time. But it's really, really interesting. It speaks to everything you guys were talking about the other day. Yeah, there's all all the symbolism of the lotus is also equivalent to arc symbolism, spiritually speaking. And even that name, Nymphae that refers to like the bride or the young woman or the mistress. And that is who carries the savior, you know, the virgin mother and the ark being a, the hull of a ship. A hull is, first of all, it's like a hole. <laughs> it has the same root phonetically as hell, helios, helios. Uh, the hull of a ship is shaped like a vesica species, you know, um, I'm trying to think there's so many. There's so many of the savior deities that are riding a lotus or riding an ark or a ch- or in a chalice uh, or a basket. 
we're all talking about the same thing. And, you know, it's like, which, which system created the other? Did the Hindus create the Egyptian system or did the Egyptians create the Hindu system? Pretty hard to tell, but very evident that they are similar because Horus and the Lotus, <laughs> Ra and the Lotus, Ganesha it, with a Lotus in his hand, it goes on and on. But that is maybe for another show, but it's uh, endlessly fascinating how all of the systems kind of resolve themselves down to arc symbolism because at the end of the day, the occult is like this cycle study of this psychological anatiodromia of something becoming its opposite <laughs> and the inevitability of that. And the, the Lotus is a perfect symbol as it follows the sun and then closes and opens. And it's doing that fractal repetition of the, the end and the beginning and the end of the beginning over and over again, every day. Fascinating. Yeah. It's, yeah exactly. it, also, well put. it also grows in the grossest, nastiest, crummiest stuff. And there's this like, uh, that's also very beautiful too, is just to see a flower like this coming from the stagnation and waste, you know, and uh, this, this, just the symbols of beauty and how it can like overcome and transcend. And I think that's very inspiring. Yeah, agreed. Ooh, mugwort. Yeah, I think I'll do that tonight. I've got some Michelle's Healing Home mugwort still available to me. Nice. I'm so glad. Yes. Well, Mugwort, I have to say, I mean, this is how uh, the floodgates opened on the vibrant with me was uh, talking to you guys about Mugwort. So um, found it appropriate. And this is one of my all time favorite plants. And we never let you leave. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm happy to stay. Um, yes. So Mugwort for its dream uh, abilities to bring us into the dream realm more easily. Uh, this is a dream time ally for sure. Um, and the one of the most beautiful things about mugwort that I find valuable when it comes to dreaming is that, you know, the first time, thing you'll hear is it brings on lucid dreams. That's usually the first thing. And it can, but I think one of the things that it does really, really well is that it can help you tap in deeply to things that you may have thought you've already maybe resolved or gone through. Maybe you've concluded. And Mugwort has this way of kind of resurfacing some of these things, particularly through the dream realm. And so because she's the crone, she's here to help us. She's here to uh, encourage us to find our inner wisdom. She's here to uh, just encourage us to be ourselves. And like a crone, she stands up tall and is just like, yep, this is how it is. And I think that that's what she does for us in the dream realm. Um, she kind of reminds us of things like that. Um, it's uh, typically uh, associated with Artemis, Frigg, and Diana. Uh, Diana particularly because of the moon association. Frigg because she is a goddess. She's like a domestic goddess. So she was also a healer. She's a goddess of motherhood. Um, she's also a goddess of uh, protection as well as so is Artemis too. Artemis, she's the goddess of the hunt obviously. But one of the things that I find really cool about Artemis is that she. it was said that she protected her own chastity and the chastity of all other women and she also was the protector of all the forest creatures and the plants within the forest and so mugwort is associated with that so the the 
the uh, sense of protection that I feel from this plant is very strong. And I think it goes well with the ability to be able to take you to the more uh, dreamy astral realms, um, but also give you protection while you're there. And I know I've said that multiple times, but I think that that's one of the most valuable things that this plant brings for us. And I'm actually drinking mugwort tea right now, too, um, because I, too, wanted to do my homework. (laughs) And I love mugwort tea. It is warming. So somebody who does typically run hot, it can actually, like, make you a little warmer. So something to just think about. Um, And that warmth also is in its uh, nature of being in a memagogue, which we've talked about before, but which is something that brings heat to the pelvic region. So that can also, uh, you know, stimulate a uh, late menstruation or it can actually also calm menstrual cramps. So there's a lot of pain relieving properties that come with mugwort. Uh, not necessarily like a white willow bark or something where it's going to be like a very strong pain relief, um, but it can actually just like really calm down um, any sort of pain, particularly when it has to do with menstrual cramps. So I like to use mugwort as an infused oil and I use it as a belly rub actually uh, during my um, cycle. And it is very, very helpful. And I had a friend of mine who um, reached out to me a couple weeks ago um, after I gave her some of my mugwort anointing oil. And she said that she applied it to her pelvis while she was having cramps. And she was like, oh, she was shocked at how well it worked just to relieve the pain there. Um, Heightens psychic awareness and inner visions. So a lot of times when you're, you can, you know, have mugwort tea maybe a few times a week or something, and it can actually increase these natural abilities that we all have to tap into these really, you know, dream etheric places. Um, we also have something uh, called moxibustion, which is a acu- it's a practice in acupuncture and Chinese medicine, where they'll actually take the mugwort and it's it's bound in like a smudge sort of you know looking thing, and they will use it to they'll light it and then they will allow the smoke to hover over the acupressure points, and that can actually release things along with the acupuncture acupuncture or pressure that they're applying to you. So I I find that that to be very interesting. And mugwort has like, you can see in this illustration, like the backside of the leaf has that really silvery, like downy, soft material that's there. And that's what can really be, um, that's what actually kind of creates most of the smoke when it comes from a smudge. I mean, the whole plant will, but I think that that fluffiness um, really kind of, kind of, start a, start on fire really easily and it can um, be really nice in a smoke blend because it's fluffy when it's uh, ground up and dried. And I could talk forever on mugwort and I know, I know Kyle's got plenty oh, to go to. So I'm going to hand it over. Thanks, Michelle. Um, yeah. Also, thanks for, inter- I think I was introduced to this show by the mugwort show that Chance had back in last summer. So Cool little wave for me personally. Um, I think mugwort could easily be a headliner in like four other signs. We got moon symbolism. We got some people say it's, oh, it's Venusian. Uh, It definitely has an affinity for the pelvic floor. And so that's why we went with wormwood last um, Scorpio. And, uh, And mugwort is a relative of wormwood. All of the Artemisias have like this kind of, uh, 
dreamy effect that can be made into a liquor that has uh let's call it flow state wart. We can call it that too. Um, little interesting thing that I like to talk about mugwort is that in the, there's the Bavarian uh, purity law of 1516. I was mentioning this in, uh, in a, in a replay I was watching of a uh, sacred masculine talk that was on um, Locos channel and that Gabe was in. Bavarian Purity Law 1516, a 500-year-old war on drugs back before 1516 in Bavaria and surrounding areas, there was a, a, a occupation called alewife. And an alewife was a wise woman that would go out into the field and gather some of the herbs of the field and make a fermented brew. And most of these herbs of the field were featuring plants that had a stimulating action to the pelvic region. Oh, let's get it on. Or to the imagination. Oh, what if we overthrew the government? Um, or just like enlivening, right? And it would heal you. And then the Bavarian purity law comes in and they said, no, you almost four ingredients, water, yeast, barley, and hops. What's hops? We could, we could tell by hops. It's stinky. It's got that skunky flavor. It's sedative. So now people say, um, and then and then they said, oh, you, also anyone anyone who wants to make um, beer that's not with our purity law, our Bavarian purity law, is against us. And you know what they are? They are witches. And you know what we do to witches? We burn them. This was around the time of. There's a lot of strife going on. 1560. There's Martin Luther. There's Inquisition. There's just a lot of like tension and a lot of uh, control of. Just try. I, I think it could fit in easily with one of these resets, right? Like there was, uh, they're trying to take something that would had had a lot of virtue of, with healing and occupations that it had healing, and now all of a sudden they're the bad guy or the bad lady in that case. And so uh, my point is that uh, now when you drink a beer that has hops in it, it's kind of emasculating you. It has a sedative action. Oh. Uh, yeah, I can't really uh, get it up tonight. You know, I'm not, it's not, it's not really flowing to that region like it used to back in 1514 um, or, or like we'll overthrow the government uh, tomorrow. What about Tuesday? What about next Tuesday? You guys want to do it next? Yeah, let's do it next Tuesday guys. Um, you know what I mean? Like it has that effect. It had that effect. It was powerful. And guess, guess who you had to buy the hops from? There was only one group of people that were growing the hops. It was the brothers. It was the monks. Oh, Uh, (laughs) there it is. The monastic system ruling the world. Exactly. So um, this type of beer is known as a gruit. And whenever I'm on an herb walk and I talk about mugwort, I always encourage people to make this type of beer and share it with me. (laughs) Bring some in so I can have some too, because I don't really like hoppy beer. And I really do like these wild ferments, uh, these wild botanicals, yarrow, mugwort, lavender, things like lavender even is is less sedative than hops. It still has that alivening action to it. Um, So mugwort, yeah, wonderful plant. Thanks for that breakdown. Talking about the pelvic, the, the pelvic, aspect of this and especially for helping females and their cycle time. Let me just pull up this. It's a photo I just took at my desk, so maybe not the best, but I can zoom in on it. Do you see the outline of the Pisces fish constellation? It really has almost that like that pelvic V shape that the 
you know, the hips going through the thighs would make. Oh yeah. And it looks oh, like ovaries. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And the ovaries very much something there. Interesting because that is almost reminiscent of the Aries glyph, not the actual way the Aries some, you know, it's over here in the uh, RA Ray version of the Ram is much more of a Ram than what we mostly get in the uh, Google search version of the constellations today. But yeah, there's even almost like this hint of it's moving into Aries and there's this shape of the Aries glyph that's similar to that too. Excellent. Yes, exactly. Uh, between Pisces and Virgo, there's a lot of V stuff going on. Uh, v, Virgo, uh, the Virgin. I made a video about it, but there's a lot of V stuff going on uh, with that sign and then also with Pisces. So very, very uh, great little insight there. I agree. Yeah, and all that, you know, Gabriel, this is something for another time to really dig into. But the more I look into the whole Janus situation i'm finding that everything's janice <laughs> uh, all these gods have two or three or four faces but diana or diana who is artemis artemis is said to have three faces Selene, the moon god and we now know that the moon crescent moon symbol is also covertly an arc symbol uh, very much so the hull of a boat especially when you see it like you know like this and not tilted sideways but anyway her other two faces are Hecate and uh, I guess Artemis Diana is the other one but Diana Diana that's like two and then Anna which is the year so again to have this association to this goddess at this time of the year especially in like the moon card and all that being a Pisces card is letting you know that this is the true gates of the year right yes yes uh, has me thinking about digamma, which is uh, six in Greek. Am I right? Six is digamma. There's so many yeah. mysteries with the digamma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and also, uh, which had me, part of my weave, my side weave was uh, Diogenes is uh, Virgo. He's correspondent to Virgo. He lives in a wine barrel, hence the harvest and the wheat. Um, but man, uh, and that kind of ties into the whole thing about the alewives, uh, you know, targeting the alewives. Oh, and okay. Oh, man, it opens up so many doors so fast. <laughs> um, 18th uh, Amendment caused prohibition, which gave us moonshine, moonshine, moon card, 18th card, 18th Amendment. Uh, and that goes straight from here in uh, Pisces right across to Virgo where we harvest the wheat, which is what was uh, monopolized by the monks so that you could only make your brew a certain way or else you're a domestic terrorist witch. Nice. That's fun. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad I caught on to that. Can't yeah, let yeah. that hanging chad go by. Um, regarding this triune sort of nature Hikate the the triple moon goddess and everything else um, so this V right is just an upside down triangle it's a downward facing triangle the V and so when you're dealing with the glyph for water it's also a V like we were showing earlier and then the glyph for earth is also a V with just a dash through it Um, and then 18 1 plus 8 is 9 makes me uh, think of like the fertility 
you know, symbolism with, you know, obviously um, gestating a baby for nine months and everything else. There's even some moon cards that literally have nine droplets of blood on it, which I think is fascinating for the uh, nine missing menstrual cycles when uh, when you're actually pregnant. Uh, so there's lots of blood symbolism going on here. I don't know how to quite articulate it, but there, there's a, a number of things going on there. Yeah, man. Um, oh, geez. It, it, it just spirals in spirals. Um, it makes me think of um, uh, a Virgo is a virgin. Hence, she, uh, she's, she did not get pregnant. And so the blood would be used for fertilization this time of year. Um, right? So you could catch the mensis, uh, whatever they call that stuff. And then you could fertilize the plants. Uh, and, and I think that, um, uh, the moon card has nine yods floating in between the towers, uh, which oh, are yeah. like, the, go back to that and we pull that. Yeah. Excellent. Which it's like the equivalent of those droplets going up. But yeah, if you look, there's nine of them. And so, um, nine is also means serpent. So those could be little sperms, uh, that are trying to get to an egg is another read on it, but it could also be yeah. the mensa. Then no, the yod is 10, so nine yods would be 90, and then cough is 100, so it's like the next one is 100. Nice. You said it with the sperm cells, dude. Uh, so the ninth card of the Major Arcana is the Hermit card, which is actually ruled by Virgo. And then in the Thoth version, they literally show the sperm cell, you know, trying to find the egg and everything. So yeah, you you got it, dude. Good stuff. Sorry, I jumped ahead too far. Okay. Yeah, a couple other images of alternative Artemisia. Yeah, I just wanted to showcase the different, there's different types of mugworts. So um, on the left, you have the Artemisia vulgaris, which is pretty much the most common mugwort you're going to find. And vulgaris, if I'm not mistaken, actually translates to common. Um, and so this is the one that I like to use for tinctures. Um, because the other two that are on the middle, in the middle and on the right are higher in the essential oils and they actually have they they smell much stronger than the vulgaris version. So I typically use the Ludovisiana and the Suxdorfi for, um, topical applications because the stronger the essential oils, it can sometimes irritate, you know, the stomach or something like that. So I don't typically tincture those two. But the ones, the Ludovisiana, it, it translates to Artemisia, Louisiana. So, which I think is really interesting. Um, and it's sometimes known as Western mugwort. And um, this is a hermaphroditic plant, if I'm not mistaken. And it actually will um, pollinate. It'll be pollinated by the wind. Um, and we, I, I, we grow all three of these on our property. They grow really well here. All three of them do. Um, but the Suxdorfi is my favorite. This is also known as coastal mugwort, uh, grows really well up all up and down the West coast, but the scent on this, on the one on the right is just so stellar. And I love making smudges out of it. And I, I love to make my anointing oils with the one on the right, um, because of the scent is just, it's so captivating. And that's one of the other things about mugwort that, um, it's said that it's actually the scent of mugwort that will kind of like bring you into a dream like state. And so that's why a lot of times, you know, they'll say place mugwort under your pillow or make a dream 
pillow with it. Or I mean, I'll just during the summer when it's when it's growing, I'll just bring it into our bedroom and have like two bouquets of mugwort on on both. I'm one on my side, one on Mario's side. And it always brings in more of a dreamy vibe for me. So sometimes even when mugwort is just near you, you don't even have to ingest it. It can actually bring on some of these more dreamy times, at least in my experience anyway. I think that's an important takeaway about all of this is plants don't even have to be psychedelic or psychoactive. What we would benefit from comprehending is that all the plants, everything we might ingest and even have in our proximity actually does, whether in a subtle or a extreme way, cause some kind of change in consciousness. And when we look at it that way, we see that actually everything in the external world is like a symbol that we can use to access a particular state or an intention. And that's what living intentionally and being in authorship of your own life is really about is that you start arranging. I mean, that's what living a magical life is about. Not that you need to do a particular ritual or a specific ceremony or follow certain instructions, but that as you learn more about what the virtues of different aspects of the natural world are, then you can call in those attributes to yourself through even just simple things like proximity and that any shift in yourself constitutes a change in consciousness rather whether or not it is like, you know, psychedelic or trippy. And in the the end of the day, that's the real healing or the real medicine is being able to, you know, change. (laughs) That's what it's all about is being able to flow into changes because that's what nature is always asking of us. If we observe it, it's constantly in flux. That's what it's about. Well said. Yeah, 100%. CMOS. There's a typo here. It should be Chandrus or Kapha Ficus, actually. So Chandrus is the Irish sea moss, um, a different plant than what I am picturing here. Just to uh, be clear that when you look up sea moss, um, you'll typically, and if you're looking for the botanical name, it'll tell you Chandrus, but that's a different, it's a different, they're they're not a plant. It's a red algae, in fact, but it's, uh, it falls in the dominion of uh, what herbalist would use. So um, I even call mushrooms botanicals. So why not? Uh, call an algae or a lichen one. Why not? So this is one of my favorite. Um, let's just call it a plant. I'm just going to call it a plant because I'm going to call it a plant, even though it's a red algae. Um, <laughs> the sea moss is the most sold botanical at my, sh- at my shop. By far, people buy way more sea moss than anything else. And thank you uh, to Dr. Sebi. Have you all ever heard of Dr. Sebi? You ever heard of Dr. Sebi? S-E-B-I. He's a black guy from, I want to say Haiti that lived in Honduras. And um, he probably died in, you know, I don't know, 2000 around there or something like that. So he's been gone for a while. Yes, it does have the 92 minerals we need. Right. So Dr. Sebi is very, very, very influential to the African-American community in America. And um, his whole spiel is all about like working with plants that hadn't been modified by, oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, Plants that hadn't been modified by man. 
And, you know, things like peppermint have been crossbred and oranges and so on and so. And that's this whole thing. So he's like, have some sea moss, have some burdock, have some sarsaparilla. But why sea moss? What's up with sea moss? What's up with its, uh, its, its potential? It is extremely mucilaginous. It's so mucilaginous. I just made some and I freaking left it outside. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab it here in a minute just to demonstrate. But um, you could put some sea moss into, I, I usually hydrate it back again, like I'm soaking lentils and I boil it for a minute and I put it into a blender. And when it gets done blending, it is like uh, the, the texture of pomade or even, or even uh, more like rubber cement. You know, it's really, really, really mucilaginous. So this is a great way of structuring the water in your body through mucilaginous plants. So you can get, uh, structure the water in your body through um, all kinds of fun things and swirling and vortexing and spring water and having really uh, cool copper uh, things that move the water like this. But you can also do it by getting some sunlight on your body and um, having more fruits and vegetables, which are structured water, and also introducing more mucilaginous plants into your life. So things like marshmallow, things like um, slippery elm have like that mucilagin that make it slippery and slimy, but sea moss makes it like a goo. This is the, this is like the, the fabric. This is the patch for the interstitial fluid or the, the, uh, the, our sea in between our cells. Um, and it has, as one of those comment, as the commentator just mentioned, 92 of the 102 minerals found in our body. So, uh, there's 102 minerals. This one's got 92. That's awesome. It grows on a rock, though. So um, I think it was in a previous show that you did, Chance, where we we're talking about how plants can get what they need or how, to, how, how the relationship of orgone would be explained by a plant just growing on the rock and it waves. It can't, it, it, this is a plant that lives in a tide pool, so it's always moving back and forth like this, kind of generating a little bit of movement. Um, sea moss is, is uh, considered by the people who purchase it from me. And they've taught me so much about sea moss, my, my community here in Milwaukee. Um, it's, a, it's a really great mucus buster. So it's great restorative for the lungs or a lot of people use it for like late weight loss. In the, in the sense that like, it's not necessarily, I don't know, I, I say this with a hint of peril because I know I'm not like the weight loss herb guy. I think of the, uh, our bodies as being um, healthy <laughs> or not unhealthy. Okay. So if your body is unhealthy from, from, a, from a perspective that there's just too much uh, lack of, there's a lack of elimination or a lack of digestion or a lack of metabolism in some way, um, CMOS helps improve that through the remineralization of the body through uh, the structuring of the water in our body through degunkifying all of the mucus in the body. And uh, it's, it's uh, something that you can use as a face mask and uh, as a hair mask. It's got, uh, it's a really nice topical thing. Um, I was just chatting with a Instagram friend named uh, Secrets of Seaweed. And it's a really awesome Instagram page that has a lot of great information about seaweed. Um, a person from young woman from Welsh Wales, sorry, Wales. Yeah. And is a, goes out and hunts seaweed. So I think all seaweeds fall under the category of being ruled by Pisces. And even though this isn't a plant plant, it is 
in that domain of the higher vibration of Jupiter, which is Neptune, right? The, that which escapes the confines of Saturn. Um, and yeah, I love CMOS. I love it. There's so many uh, you, like things that we can work with CMOS in addition to its health ben- giving benefits. It can, uh, it can uh, thicken up your gum- gumbo or make your beverage like really, really goopy if you need it to be. It doesn't have much flavor to it at all. It has a little tiny bit of saltiness to it, but it's very um, just like, <laughs> just like goo. That's what it tastes like. It's, it's more of a mouthfeel than a flavor. And, uh, so for a lot of people, that's a, that's a no go because they don't want to put something in their mouth that feels like gooey. Um, so I like to just put it into, uh, uh, some hot water and stir it up until it returns to a slimy water. And then I can easily drink that. But, um, it's a really amazing, amazing thing. And I think more and more people are catching on to it, especially because, uh, I've been recommending it a lot to people who have had whatever mysterious ailment, uh, they will call long COVID or something like that, whatever that means. Um, I think that this plant has been, um, I said plant has been extremely beneficial and almost miraculous in many cases of that. So, um, I'm sold on the benefits of CMOS. Are you? I'm pretty sold. And then Rachel in the chat just said that it's good and good added to smoothies, which was yeah, a really helpful comment because I was over here like, how would I integrate this into my diet and my behavior? But I could definitely put it in a smoothie. I will, I'll be right back. I'm going to get the jar. I'll be right back. All right. I'm about to order some from Kyle. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. I I want to know more about CMOS. I'm like looking at the upper right picture with the cream, almost like gel. And I'm thinking of all sorts of things that you could make with that. Oh, man, if it's got all those minerals, just imagine how well your skin would appreciate it. Totally. It, it makes so much sense that we would resonate with it. Uh, the other thing that I'm reminded of with Pisces representing our feet is that those are our roots, right? It's like, that's how we uh, connect to the actual earth. So it's almost like our roots are in the ocean. It's within the water. We are water people. We're watery creatures. We're children of the moon. Dude, check this out. All right. Look at the, wow. Look at the texture of this. It's like sea pudding. Yeah, it totally. Yep. <laughs> so you can add, whoops, I just dropped some. You can add some flavor. Like some people add elderberry syrup or lemon juice or hibiscus or whatever. Um, but um, really, really wonderful, wonderful thing to have to your daily routine to help structure your body and bring some of those minerals back. Oh, ferrous. Ferrous phosphate or iron phosphate. We're talking about the um, the cell salt, the cell salts of salvation for Pisces. This is the premiere of ferrous phosphate in nature. Boom, right here. Yep. Fascinating. Wow. Yeah, that this is really seems cool, like man. a secret that needs to be known. I'm really intrigued. I'm definitely getting some. Yeah. Uh, so, so just to be clear, how do you make that kind of goop that you just showed? Like, what's the process? Is I, took, I took a handful like that. I put it in. Uh, it's dried up when it's sold. Um, and I just put it into a bowl of water like I'm soaking lentils. And then about four or five hours later, it hydrates back to its um, form that it likes to be in. And I just put it into a, a pot, boil it for a minute and put it. And then I immersion blend it. 
because I used to put it into a blender, but it turns into blend. a goop like What's immersion blend? immediately. So I was like cutting my fingers trying to clean this goop off the bottom of the blender. So I just put it in an immersion blender and I dump it into a, dar- a jar right away while it's still hot. And that's it. I preserve it with some lemon juice and, um, and I, ha- I have myself a teaspoon or sorry, a tablespoon a day, sometimes two. Hmm. <laughs> wow. An, an immersion blender is a stick blender. Oh, yep. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, got it. Okay. Man, great selection for Pisces. Real yeah, good. Yeah, this is Real perfect, good. Kyle. Loving it. <laughs> it's kind of weird eating the scoop, but. <laughs> Chance, can you make me? Basically, though, like, you know, if you were, do you think that's what, in the movie The Matrix, you know, how, like, they're on the ship and they're just, like, eating their goop and it's like, it's got all the nutrients you need. Do you think it was sea moss turned into goop and they just totally. ate that every day? Totally. Did, yeah. I got the itch at the back of my head now. Huh. Yep. That's it. <laughs> it's Piscean. <laughs> On your quote, on the quote, <laughs> Chance, can you give me a big screen? Yeah, I want to share it. I want to share another. Uh, so this is also, uh, I consider this also a Piscean card. And it's the Empress card. And this is on the Thoth deck. And this one is unique. I like it because she has, uh, her feet are, are veiled. They're hidden behind the shield. She kind of looks like she could be a mermaid, don't you think? Doesn't it seem yeah. to imp- imply unnatural footing? And she's also wearing a, a veil. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of veiled references going on here. Uh, but I thought I'd share this because I, I put this in, uh, I put her in Pisces. And then on the other side of the equinox is the emperor in Aries. Uh, so I thought I would just throw that in the mix while we're talking about all the all the sea ingredients. That's great. Yeah, it looks like she's carrying a lotus staff. In my reading that Mario did for me recently, we had drawn the eight of cups, which happened mm-hmm. on the first day of Pisces, which is represent eight of cups is the first decan of Pisces. And um, so that was pretty cool to see that one right away. And then the other card that we drew was the, um, the Empress. And um, it was a di- from a different deck, but yeah, really cool. Well, you know, I was thinking about this. I'm glad you brought it, uh, reinforced it because it kind of hails back to the, um, to Lotus. So she's also, that's Cassiopeia. Um, as, as we're in the equinox, we've got Cassiopeia is just on the, as we break into Aries. And then the next deacon from there is, um, uh, Cetus is the emperor. That's her, her hubby, her, her companion. And they are um, the queen and the king of an Ethiopian uh, country, mythologically, those constellations. And in Ethiopia, in Africa, is where the lotus eaters were in the Odyssey. So that kind of brings in the lotus again from the, from the blue lotus that you did. Oh, wow. That's which really is your, interesting. The lotus eaters. Yeah, which is your tattoo. That's that's like wildly awesomely appropriate. I love that. Wow. Very, very interesting. Uh, Just because we're bringing up the transition from like Pisces to Aries, I just have to mention, you know, the traditional correspondence with Aries is the emperor card. And my understanding is before Crowley came around, the Hebrew letter um, that was associated with the emperor was he. Uh, the H E the the window, and then he switched it so that Tazidi 
fish hook corresponds with the emperor, which is Aries. Isn't it interesting that we have Pisces, the end of the uh, astrological year, and then right next to it is Aries, the beginning of the astrological year, and it corresponds with fish hook. And so kind of the metaphor, the little narrative that I have in my mind about it is like we're swimming in the uh, kind of like etheric waters of Pisces until uh, the beginning of Aries when we're yanked out into the world of light or something yeah, along like those underwater, lines. underground. Yeah, 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 exactly. So the fish hook, right? Pulling the fish out of the waters into the realm of light. Brilliant. So just thinking out loud. Nice. The fish is vish. Vishnu <laughs> coming up, yeah, yeah. you know, the uh, all back to the arc mythos, but in the lar- macrocosm, larger version of the cycle, the creator God, the Br- Brahm, he's asleep under the abyss or under the abyssal waters, you know, until the point that the Eros, who is HRS, Horus, starts to stir and, and then they get, you know, God and goddess get back to copulating, which is what generates everything. Real quick, isn't the Ark of the Covenant like uh, it has manna and that's what people ate? Isn't, isn't that like the symbolism of what the Ark of the Covenant represents? Is yeah, that, that uh, CMOS might as well be manna. It, that's one thing that people have said before that it's actually um, somehow related to CMOS or like an algae of some kind or something like that. But it just reminds me if the Ark of the Covenant has manna for people to eat and they sustained, I, I, can't, I don't know how many people, the mythology states. And then you're bringing up lotus eaters. And then the lotus is symbolic of the ark as well. I don't know. My mind is just kind of making connections over here uh, regarding the implications of all of that. So I'm going to look into that. Lotus eaters. That's fascinating, dude. We're going to have to have another ark show. Can't. I think so. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Do you think the, the sky, like the manna fell from the sky, like uh, in the same way that like the there's like fish that fall from the sky and they land in, you know, oh, Lubbock, yeah. Texas or something like that. And, and like, there could be some sort of weird portal <laughs> portal <laughs> aspect with, I don't know, but I think that's pretty cool. I, yeah. It's like manna in a way, I think. The fish falls that. are so wild, but it does make you wonder about the waters above. Uh-huh. Indeed. Yep. Sky, sky fall phenomenon. And uh, the lotus eaters, when they ate it, it gave, put them in a dream state, which is total moon card energy. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. And even just the term lotus eater, you know, it is actually very Piscean because I think that they use that term to like denote somebody that is just sort of fanciful, not interested in practical matters, indulging in pleasure or, you know, <laughs> escapism. Is a, someone that does that is a lotus eater. Very Pisces. Yeah, absolutely. No, I need to reread the Odyssey. It's I haven't since high school. Uh, Astro theology and it is probably just so good. But yeah, let's get we'll keep it moving here. Ooh, California, Poppy. Yes. So we brought this one into the weave because it is another sedative, another plant that is widely used to help people calm down help bring sleep closer to you. Um, One of the things that I thought was a good connection with Pisces, and I had a hard time finding an image for it, but if you were to take a stem of the poppy 
and say slice it, you know, or if you were harvesting it and cutting it, a white latex comes from the stem, kind of like a opium poppy. But, you know, there's a difference between these two types of poppies. The opium poppy has more of a narcotic sort of feeling to it, whereas the California poppy is much, is more gentle than that. Um, but this is just really great for as a sedative. And so I found I just wanted to bring it in because if anything that's going to bring you closer to the dream realms, I find is really great to be talking about during this time. And then the other thing, too, is that the the flower essence of California poppy, it really helps to bring balance and encourage self-responsibility. Um, so another really good use for the flower essence is for somebody who might be struggling with addiction, the escapism. You know, these same themes are kind of coming up um, because that's a Piscean sort of trait, perhaps, you know, not only Pisces have these escapism, you know, uh, tendencies or whatever. But I mean, it seems to be part of the thing. And when I think about people I know who are Pisces, um, you know, they they kind of fall into that category a little more, at least just from a personal observation. And so one of the quotes that I grabbed from uh, one of the flower essence books I have, I thought sums it up pretty well of like how the California poppy flower essence can be used or viewed. Knowing that spiritual wisdom is within rather than seeking it in gurus or experiences of spiritual highs. So the poppy is going to kind of like help you cultivate your inner light. And I think that that golden color of the blossoms really kind of brings that through. And so instead of seeking something outside of yourself to help you heal or bring you to the next level or whatever, the the poppy flower essence is really going to help you to kind of remember who you are and bring you into yourself again and kind of empower you to just know that you have all this stuff inside of you already and it's not going to come from anything else before it comes from you, right? And then one of the things I wanted to share about this photo too is that if you see the silvery greenish um, plant that's in front of the poppy, that's actually the uh, Western mugwort that I showed in the other um picture. And so this is just a shot from our garden. The poppies grow really well out here. Um, and so we're, we're blessed with a lot of poppies, <laughs> California poppies anyway. Poppies be popping. Yes. Oh, and if you want to make medicine. I want just a like garden a tour of everything you got going on once it's really blooming. Oh gosh. Yes. We'll do it. We'll totally do it. And uh, I, I, yeah, there's some good footage on my Instagram of our gardens from last year. But this year we're going to have we're going to expand the garden that's on our side on our property and make it more ours um, in a in a in just a better way. And so I'm very excited this year. Um, but yes, if you're wanting to make uh, like a tincture with California poppy, you can certainly use dried California poppy. But I find that the fresh um, poppy can make a, a bit of a stronger tincture just in my experience. But you can definitely use dried herbs, no problem, and and still get some great results with it. Sweet. Yeah, I do that too. I like I like California poppy. I put it in my Z's blend and it's uh, a really it's the number one ingredient in that. So it's a great ally for our sleep. Oh, I've been using that, too. I just forgot it when I was grabbing to show that off my my new tinctures from you. Nice. That works exceedingly well. Uh, nice. It knocks you right out. Well, not like in a not like in a anesthetic 
hospital knock you right. out way, but it definitely helps you get into yeah. sleep for sure. Yeah. Count backwards from 10 and then you're like eight. No, it's uh, it just helps. It just helps un- unwind you down so that you're a nice cloud floating down. Ah, okay. I can sleep. Um, and I find it really helpful for yeah, people. Like that pleasurable feeling where you're just like kind of not quite asleep, but you just feel it relaxing and you're in that liminal space between awake and sleep. It almost, I've, I've been using it for four or five days now. It almost feels like it lengthens that little space out a little more. So it's not just sort of like, I don't know, racing thoughts and then waiting to kind of pass out or however it might work for people. But that enjoyable floating on a cloud down is really, that's really a good description. It's great. It's a great medicine. People should check that out. The Z's tincture. And now continue. I didn't mean to interrupt that bad, but it's Thanks. awesome. No, it's, you can always interrupt and plug my stuff. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interverse coupon code 10% <laughs> off. Get it. <laughs> yeah. Use Interverse. Hey, uh, again, if you were uh, make to make a cup of tea and you're like, what's this? I don't know. Um, uh, is it safe? I guess. I don't know. Let me taste it. And you're like, what does it do? You could tell by the flavor. You could tell by the energetic qualities as they present to your senses. This plant is bitter. Bitters have a way of taking uh, our energy from our peripheral of our body and saying, let's going to go into our um, rest and digest centers. Let's take everything that's up here, fight or flight. Should I, should I run? Should I flee? Should I use my arm? Should I fight? Should I sweat? And it says, no, let me just rest. Let me just digest. And it's also, you taste it again. Let me taste another taste. And you taste another taste. It's, it's like stinky again. It's that's acrid, uh, that acrid skunkiness is present. So when you taste acrid skunkiness, once again, you have a sedative on your, uh, in your hand. And um, California poppy has a little idiosyncratism that it is like, if you took a very small dose, it actually makes, uh, I, I think the, the, the wording that I read somewhere, maybe Matt Wood's book was, it sharpens your tongue. So I put a little bit of California poppy in, I have a tarot tea blend that I used to, that I used to make specifically just for when we had tarot readers at our shop and they liked it. They're like, Oh, I'm, it's like coming out. Like I could, I could say what I need to say and all the cards are hitting, you know, they're on fire. And so I started putting that in uh, a blend and selling it too. So you can drink it at home and have your own. Uh, you send me a sample of that. It's excellent. Oh, cool. I already oh. drank all of it though. I'm better, better get some. Uh, by the way, you guys, if you do use the code Interverse, I I just like uh, hang. I like being with friends. I like having a community. So I'm, you know, I like hooking people up, and I'm a very generous uh, when it comes to that too. So I, this is not a lie. He sends extras every time I order I, from him. I'm like telling him, you don't have to do that. I just want the stuff. Like I would yeah. buy this anyway. But, <laughs> but I appreciate. But yeah, it, but, but, I, but I, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to to make things for friends and, and even trade things too. If, if anybody on the panel, Michelle wants to uh, trade some time, we should do that. We'll talk about that. Yeah. But, I'm into um, it. I, I also, if um, I second uh, Michelle garden tour, I would, I think you have an Epic garden and I would love to see your garden a couple of times of the year, not just like, you know, when it's like really popping, but I want to see it in June and July. I want to see it when it's like getting crispy and late August and stuff too. I just love uh, garden tours and from plant people. So that would be awesome, Michelle. 
Yeah, thanks. Duly noted. Yeah, actually, that's a great idea to do it throughout the seasons. I'm starting now that, well, there is still quite a bit of snow, but I'm starting to think about, you know, bringing people more into like the garden plans and what we're planning on doing this year and stuff. And so that that's a good, a good thought. Because yeah, it really it brings me so much joy. And I see the oh my god, it's just like, the abundance and the the like love that comes and the grounding that I'm feeling. And I, I really just, um, I don't know. I just, I find it to be very therapeutic. And I think that everyone would benefit from gardening, even just a little bit, if you can only get pots on your front porch or whatever, it really does bring people a lot of peace and it's really awesome. So I'm glad you guys are into it and I'm not surprised obviously, but yeah, happy to share. Totally. So it's interesting that we went to the California poppies right after I pulled out the Empress card. Uh, uh, Southern California is in uh, uh, Pisces in my territories map. And that's where the Empress card is. And uh, I've, I often think of her as the uh, Khalifa, a foreign Khalifa is said to have once been the empress of California, uh, a, a black queen who was mostly naked and wearing uh, only ornamental jewelry, uh, like gold jewelry and nothing else, which is a lovely sight. <laughs> Whoa, um, super powerful. Yeah, right? Yes. And then the part, the aspect that, that was um, yeah, helps you remember your own inner light the cultivation of your inner light that was on a little weave I had today on a, over on Jake's uh, telegram channel. He was asking for uh, advice on the tarot cards. And I sent him this Crowley tarot book as a, you know, as a reference, but I was kind of like, I, uh, honestly, I'm kind of self-trained on a lot of my tarot uh, revelations uh, because I find the book to be really like, dispersive and like a little too eclectic you know and like they're drawing on so many things it sends you in all these different directions seems disorganized almost on purpose um so yeah i was kind of on this tip about like yeah i kind of taught myself a lot of this stuff i'm not getting shit out of books you're not going to find the tarot tories map anywhere <laughs> that's up here so yeah thought i would share all that because uh yeah i'm very synchronous that we went straight to california after we bust out the empress You need a Patreon or something, Gabe. <laughs> yeah. Do it. We got, we got to find a way to bribe you for what's in there, man. <laughs> no, you've, you're so generous with your content. And yeah, it's awesome. All right, let's get into it. We got two more to go. I'm just getting into looking up your whole caliph weave there. That's another conversation. All right, purple coneflower, echinacea, um, echinacea angustifolia, echinacea purpurea. Here's a great example of, and also the seaweed too, I forgot to mention, this like color spectrum, is it purple? Is it red? Is it what, like, what part of the invisible color spectrum is it? Um, <laughs> is it on the right side or the left side? And I love, uh, I, I love thinking about that and uh, connecting the, the color rainbow back together look at like just like the 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 picture that you put behind here it's, it's like the rainbow that's like all a, a circular rainbow 
of visual spectrum. So anyway, um, echinacea. I was thinking, you know, uh, it could be a it could be a aquarium plant for sure because it's got that it's got this buzz, it's got this electric buzz that sends through your body. Um, it definitely feels like electricity when you taste echinacea. It feels like kind of uh, like you put a, a twelve volt battery on your on your. Um, but it also works very very well on the lymphatic system. In fact, that's why I would I would say if we were to you know, um, kind of dispel the notion that an immune system is a isolated thing like um, a respiratory system is or a digestive system is. But instead, we say um, the energetic container and a part of that energetic container is the ability of our lymph fluid to move um, or the, the stagnation of that lymph fluid and backing up. So the lymph fluid, what is that? It's like excess metabolites. It's the stuff that are, uh, the battery, it's the battery acid that needs to get wiped away from our little batteries that are, that our body is running under. And, uh, if that gets, if, if that, if those rivers or if that channel or if the waterways or the interstitial system of lymphatic movement is, dry or it's not flowing very well or it's not finding its level um we could charge that battery up with something like echinacea which is very vivifying to that electrical water component between aquarius and pisces um and but i definitely arrived on this being piscean because of its jupiterian signatures Ooh, big look how look at that like that pie, um, the, what's it called? The, the flowing, uh, golden ratio that's inside encoded in this pine cone, like, you know, Pisces also rules the endocrine system. So our pineal gland that's up there that we're using for our dreams and our imagination and discussing, uh, all of the beautiful possibilities of this topic at hand. Um, you know, that that's a signature right there. It's right there in this plant. And so we also see that in the pine cone um, and in the sunflower. And so sunflower, you know, I definitely solar, maybe that would be a good one for Leo. But I also think about those types of signatures and the way that I'm using my imagination to view uh, all the different fractal patterns that are in nature. And um, I'm not viewing that with my eyes necessarily. I mean, I'm seeing it, but I'm imagining things too. So it's a, it's awakening this Piscean aspect just by uh, looking and being in presence with this plant. Grows abundantly too. Another Jupiterian signature. Bees love it. And um, I wanted to teach you a little bit about uh, this style of medicine making that I think is really handy. So we follow the energy of the plant where it is. So where's the energy of the plant right now? It's in the bark. It's in the sap. That's because the sap is running. So there's a plant right now um, that's called red osier dogwood. And it says uh, the traditional way of harvesting this is before the first thunderstorm, but after the first frost, um, which means to say that that's your, you want the bark of the plant because that's where the, 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 um, energy is. So when I'm harvesting echinacea or when I'm work, trying to make a medicine of this plant, I'm following that energy. In the springtime, the energy or most of its potential of medicine is in the leaf. In the uh, summertime, when it's in the bloom, it's in the flower. As the flowers kind of wilt and die, then it's in that cone. 
which is a, a really fun little spiky cone too. Uh, you could pick those little things out and just taste them. And it's like putting a battery on your tongue. And then as the, the, uh, cold comes in and set, starts to set in all of the energy of the plant says, Oh, I better go back into the roots of the ground where I'm nice and protected. And it goes right back into the ground. That's when I get out the shovel and that's when I dig up the root, which is the part that's sold in commerce. And unfortunately you have to create a fatal action to the plant to uh, sell this plant in commerce, but we don't necessarily need to do that if we're working with this plant in our yard, which grows very abundantly in most parts of North America. And, um, that's not just the only part of the medicine of this plant. The medicine is where we follow it. And, um, and so I really like using echinacea as an example for cultivating all like moving through the cycles of nature, finding where that energy is working with it through the seasons and then just, uh, and then watching it come back again. If you dig up some echinacea, you know, um, you, you can also take the little seed head and just throw it in the hole and then echinacea will pop up again. It's nice to uh, dig up a, the root of a second or a third year plant. Um, and it's not going to flower until it's second or third year anyway. So if you've got a nice patch going, then it's, then it's easy to find the ones that you can select and leave the ones behind that you need. And um, because it's Jupiterian, it also has this aspect of it. If you just like a lot of plants, if you, if you snip it, it gives more. It says, oh, it likes me. Whatever is taking me likes me. I'm going to give it some more. So a lot of times if you cut it back, it will just keep keep popping up and stuff too. Yeah, I guess that's what I have to say about echinacea. It's a really popular plant for health, but I think the the reason why is because it's stimulating the, the movement of the inner waters of our body and electrifying them, jumpstarting them, jumpstarting the water, so to speak. Yeah, does that make sense? Big time. Um, is that why it's not recommended for, yeah, like they say to cycle it on and cycle it off and you don't just keep taking it straight through. It's diminishing returns or maybe not helpful. Right. Don't it's keep not, jump starting a battery. Exactly. <laughs> it's not, it's, a, jumped, it's, it's not a preventive plant. It's not a plant that builds up its nutrition. Like um, if we think, go back to the, the immune system as an energetic container model, you have your stonemasons, which are building the container um, little by little. My sea moss, I'll take a little bit of this every day. This is my stonemason. It's putting my container together. And then there's my, um, and then there's the things that I'm going to call on that are going to like get the soldiers um, riled up. And, and echinacea is one of those uh, battle horns for the soldiers. But you don't want soldiers all the time. You know, they're going to start drinking and fighting and uh, creating too many wars within itself or whatever. So, so, uh, just call them the stonemasons and you, and you pull the stonemasons off the line when they're, when there's uh, fighting to be done. Right. Uh, so to speak, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to get away from the fighting body fighting, uh, vocabulary, pardon me, but, uh, that's what, that's, that's the paradigm that's in my head right now. So. Man, nice. what a great info. Great weave. Yeah. yeah I love it. And I love the fact that you uh, chose a photo with a bee on it because that's how I imagine them because they love it there, man. I mean, they love these plants so much. And so, uh, yeah, every time I check it out in the garden, that's what's going on. Well, I've got a bee weave <laughs> for this. Just that the second word in the name is Angus Tifolia. Well, Angus is a name for a cow, but we've demonstrated that in certain languages the word for cow and the word for bee get quite slippery and go into each other apis apiary 
beef b uh, ape ape there's your there's your uh, oh. ape weave too oh and i also left this one in here because i wanted to lob a softball with the ekine to my friend gabe <laughs> see, if can, see if he could hit something with that <laughs> oh my gosh man yep that's the first thing i saw uh the the echidna absolutely which is um you know echinoderms um which are um also sea creatures but it also relates to the porcupine uh the porcupine uh is a, a mythologically well its scientific category is echidna and in mythology the echidna is the mother of all monsters she is the um the gorgon and um she also gives birth to the sphinx um who is a uh, a, a riddling chimera uh, so yeah, thank you for handing that over. You know, I love, I love the echidna. She's like, she's all over the place. It's so funny. You find this random little piece of trivia and you find out that it connects so many things. Uh, so yeah. And you, you know, the purple aspect, you know, you can think of purple as a beautiful blending of colors, uh, coming together of the blue and the reds. Um, we're in that transitional space of the spring equinox. So it's, we're in that liminal uh, attribute. Um, all of that comes to mind. Yeah, nice handoff <laughs> for sure, buddy. I just got one more weave on this. Seeing how I don't know if uh, if any if anyone was paying attention to that uh, episode of Bio Charisma with uh, Dr. Jennifer Daniels, got to listen to it. Um, one of the things that she was mentioning is don't get don't get punctured. Don't puncture yourself. Right. So there's the echidna. There's the the spike. The porcupine, this is the porcupine of the, the echidna is the porcupine of the sea. And if you Google search it, it'll look like this flower right now um, underwater. And so this is the remedy for the puncture. Um, this is one of the best remedies for something that gets beyond the, the protective layers of our, quote, immune system, which is our container um, and leaks in. Um, this because it's activating the the uh, lymphatic system so well. So um, in the case of like a, a puncture wound or a, uh, you know, step step on something and you get something punctured or um, a bite that goes uh, cat scratch fever, these kind of things, um, even even spider bites, you know, plantain, echinacea and one of the best remedies for snake bites. This is another name for this plant is snake root. So oh in gosh. the Ozarks or uh, a, a place like Missouri where you all have uh, copperheads and places out west where you have rattlesnakes. Um, one of my teachers um, or uh, yeah, one of my teachers has a story of uh, a dog being bitten on a plant walk. And luckily there was a bunch of herbalists there and they had like a quart of echinacea and they poured uh, echinacea onto this poor dog uh, who got bit by a rattlesnake and he was able to survive because they were way out in the brush. Wow. And, uh, so echinacea is a great medicine, the remedy for the, um, that puncturing of the echidna, I guess. You could, I guess. You could oh, I love man. that. That's yeah. great, dude. Real quick. I got to weave here, uh, weaving a few things together, actually. So this puncturing thing reminds me of the bee sting. And uh, we were talking about the bee, right? Uh, the order that um, honeybees are part of 
is hymen optera, as in hymen. Uh, this means veil winged. And so when you're dealing with Virgo symbolism, it's there's so much veil symbolism going on. It's crazy because she herself is veiled. And in my illustration of Virgo, which I haven't made public, but she's heavily veiled. You can't really see her at all. And so the idea, there, there's another V word relating to Virgo, by the way, is veil. Um, but deep within her veil, she has found her hidden light, which is kind of like her offspring, essentially. And uh, going back to the puncturing sort of thing, um, you know, the idea behind Virgo is that she has yet to be punctured symbolically. Right. And then when you're talking about like virgin soil and like, uh, you know, Virgo is the queen of heaven, but she's also like the terrestrial queen of like the earth underneath our feet. You know, when you have to plant seeds, you have to puncture the earth, you know. And so sexual symbolism with this puncture sort of metaphor definitely comes to mind. But the main thing I wanted to mention was hymen optera veil winged hymen the hymen is an actual veil itself um and then men have their own veils too with their foreskin and so uh veil symbolism is like a really really deep thing there's so many different layers to it um but yeah that's what i wanted to mention man so many things just (laughs) just uh grow up very jupiterian so jupiterian <laughs> so i love how you mentioned that that uh oh you like me you want more and that it is eager to give i absolutely love the way you put that uh because uh it does it like it brings more meaning into the conversation you know it's like we could just go all night on this um but jupiter jupiter is uh as it's as it's depicted is um it has, it is Job. It's essentially Job from, from you know, the Old Testament. He's Travahar, uh, he's having tribulations, he's, he's being uh, tormented, uh, unresolved issues. It just keeps coming. It, it's like, oh, you thought you had that figured out? Well, here's this. And if you look at the way that the, the planet itself is actually depicted, it has like, Storms going opposite directions, they call them bands and cords. And while they're blending and stirring, they the whole fucking planet never gets resolved. It stays in this uh, orange, red, white, silver, orange, red, white, silver. And it has this giant piercing, pierced wound in its ribs. It has a huge hole in the ribs of it. Uh, so all of those things are so Jupiterian. And, uh, uh, and it's also, it's tormented. So it obviously needs some fucking echinacea in its life. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we missed we missed the hymen and Nymphaea, by the way. There's a oh, hymen. We missed a slide? No, no, no. I was just saying we there was a hymen and Nymphaea, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's just a little hanging chat for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a really cool one. Usnia, one of my all-time favorite forest remedies for sure. And it's funny that Carl, our cat, was scratching on the door right before we talk about more of the uh, immune-stimulating herbs, um, Usnia being one of those. Um, A lot of times this, it's not quite an herb, but it's a lichen. And so what a lichen is, is an algae and a fungus together. And so one of its nicknames is Old Man's Beard, because as you can see, it hangs 
kind of like a beard. Um, it's also known as lungs of the forest because one of the things um, about Usnia is that in the areas where it grows, it's an indication that the air quality is very good. So that's something that you can look for. You know, if you're in a place and you're seeing all this usnia around, you can you can be sure that the air is really it, very healthy wherever you are. Um, so this this uh, lichen has been coming through for me very, very strongly lately. And uh, one of the things about it that I wanted to talk about having to do with dreams was last night. Well, probably early this morning, I had a dream and I saw a tree and there was a huge like piece of Usnia hanging from it. And the message I got from the dream was that he said he's the guardian of the forest ether. And I was like, whoa, I woke up and I was like, holy crap, that's like really awesome. <laughs> and then I thought about it. I'm like, yes, it's kind of like that. It, it has it's this air and water thing. It like flows in between both of these elements very well. Um, and so I wanted to share that with everybody because. I had never thought of that before, but that's what came through in the dream. Um, and I've been working with Usni a lot too, because uh, I've been making decoctions of it uh, for our cat. And then I've been making double extract tinctures of it. Um, and so it's just been around. And then I wanted to show this here. This is a piece of bark that Mario brought in from one of his hikes the other day. And so there's Usnia on it. And so you can see how like, this is the Usnia here. And then this piece right here is another type of lichen. Oh, Carl just got my headphones out. <sighs> Sorry about that. Um, Carl. So this is like another piece of the, just to show what's going on here. Um, and it grows really well out here for sure. Sorry, I'm having a headphone issue. Anyway. Well, I when you get plugged back in, I want to tell you that that dream sounds amazing. I'll have to say <laughs> it again. Cat in during the stream. Okay. Uh, so yeah, immune system. Can you hear us now? I can hear you. Yeah, it was totally. Carl. <laughs> I just got to say that dream sounds amazing, but please continue. Oh my God. It really wasn't. It was very fast. It was like, it was one of those dreams where, you know, I had woken up, but fall, fallen asleep again. And then that's what came through. And so I wanted to share it because I think there's something to it. But yes, great for the immune system. Um, and it's just a great tonic. It's one of the most, and I hate to use the words antibacterial, antifungal or whatever, but this is one of the most gentle but potent natural antibiotics that you can kind of find, really. I mean, it is just wonderful. You can use it for an array of things. Uh, tooth would you say it's antibiotic or would you say that it helps your body decide what types of things it are best for its biome and what aren't. Yeah, that's probably that like a nuke, right? It doesn't just take everything out. Exactly. Right. And so that's the, and, and just as Kyle said, like trying to get out of that mindset of saying my body's, my body's fighting something off, you know, I'm, I'm still working through those, you know, kind of cycling those terms out, but it is a good way to kind of encapsulate that it will really go if you're having something bacterial that you're in overgrowth of bacteria or something um, really wonderful for that so um, great for bronchitis um, asthma uh, pneumonia things that have really thick mucus going on in the lungs really deep stuff um, usnea could be a great remedy for that um, forest first aid I put up on the um, 
on the slide here because it can be used as an actual band-aid. Like if you're in the forest and you, you know, maybe cut yourself or you fall or something, you can literally take the eusnea and put it onto a wound. Um, and it can, it will not only protect the wound, but it will actually help to start maybe even keeping any dirt out that could cause infection or something like that. So that's something that um, I like to keep in my back pocket. Uh, definitely a, a lung remedy. So going along with like the air connection and stuff. And that's one of the reasons why we've been giving it to our cat because he has just like upper uh, respiratory, like kind of chronic stuff that goes on. And I will say eusnea has been one of the things that's really, really, really been helpful for him. And just the, de just the decoction itself has been really great. Um, and uh, you can make a tincture of this and it really does well when you do a double extraction, which is basically tincturing it with alcohol, high proof alcohol. And then after you tincture it, you would take that eusnea that you used in your tincture and you would make it into a decoction, which is basically taking the same volume of water as you had alcohol, putting it into a pot and then simmering it down until you have about half of the volume of what you started with. And then you would combine that into your tincture and then you have a double extraction because then you're getting the water soluble properties of the plant as well as the alcohol soluble properties. And you see is one of those um, lichens that likes to be, um, uh, alcohol first and then water something about it I think it like opens it up something like that um, something to think about kind of like uh, with medicinal mushrooms same sort of thing one of the identifiers of usnea that I wanted to talk about is if you were to take a piece of the usnea and kind of pull it apart there'll be like almost like an elastic like white uh, thread that's underneath the green sheath of the uh, lichen. And that's the way you can tell you have usnea. And when you even have usnea, it, you can kind of pull it a little bit and it does have like an elastic feel to it. Um, just very cool. I, I really love it. And um, it has this really like medicinal, but like woodsy smell to it. it like uh, I thought of it the other day. It reminds me of the smell of like a first aid kit that's like in the forest or something. <laughs> that makes any sense. So like that smell of like gauze and band-aids and stuff that you get, it has that sort of medicinal smell. It's it's very, very nice. Um, also wonderful for any women who have ever had um, bacterial vaginosis. It can be really lovely, a lovely remedy for that as well as yeast infections. So you could, um, you know, you could just take the tincture or drink the decoction internally. You could also probably do like a sitz bath. With, Back to uh, the V of Pisces there. There you go. Yeah. So it, it's a very, very powerful medicine. So I could talk for much longer, but we can uh, break it up and see what everybody else has to say too. I'd love to know how the preparation you do of this feels for the lungs. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, as I said, with our cat, you know, he literally, he like coughs. We, we call him the coffee cough. cat. That's, that's one of his things. He's just, he's the had cough. the you coffee cat. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, but yeah, for lungs, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I, uh, I just love, I love having it around at all times and you can dry this and you can powder it. Uh, you can, you know, you can infuse an oil, you can make it into a salve. There's a lot of uses with it. It's very valuable. Oh, thank you for the super chats, Rachel and Kazi. Really appreciate that. It nice. all helps. Thank you. 
and uh, we're lucky to have it all over the place around us, you know, um, and I do like the idea or I know, uh, Bub, you might have a couple things to say about the ethical harvest, wild harvesting of Usnia. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so because this lichen takes a really long time to grow, uh, the best way to harvest it is after there's been like a windstorm because typically the usnea it'll sometimes grow on lower hanging branches and stuff but a lot of times it'll be up higher in trees and so if there's a windstorm it'll knock down usnea and branches with usnea on it and it's a really great time to collect it and you really it's once you find one piece you just kind of keep finding it and that's how i find it all works with herbs a lot of times. Um, but yeah, this one's just been calling to me. And the other day I was on a hike and I thought of Usnia before I got to the trailhead. And then lo and behold, I was just like finding it all over the place that had fallen because there was a big windstorm. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of like began my weave with it. And then I thought we have to pull this in for Pisces because I think that there's a lot of connections there. Well, and just then, how you described it going from up high to down low. Well, you're picking it up off of the ground to get up to the higher reaches, the, you know, like it does have that Pisces to Aries transition feeling just in how you described the ethical harvest. Yeah. And uh, one last thing, uh, the spiritual energetic medicine that I kind of like came to me when I was working through all this stuff. Um, it can really like help someone uh, see the forest through the trees kind of thing. So if you're having a hard time like focusing uh, or if you are like focusing on one aspect of something and it's just like, oh, you're like drilling, you know, this one aspect of this one thing. So then it's actually blinding you from seeing the whole picture. I, I think that Usnia would be a really great remedy for that. And so I also think that it's interesting that it kind of came into my life during the Piscean time where I was, you know, kind of getting lessons like that of like remembering uh, to not project so much so that you're like thinking of like what's going to happen, what will happen or whatever. It's like Usnia can help you just to be like, well, don't focus so much on the one thing. Remember that it's a whole host of things that will end up playing out and it's not just one thing or a projection of something that could cause you to lose focus. So Usni would be a good one for that. If someone's looking at it from an energetic perspective. Makes me really want to come or hang out in the forest you have up there in the Northwest. Wow. Oh yeah, dude. You're yeah. Anytime. anytime. You guys are all welcome. You guys, really? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. It's a magical place for sure. And uh, we, we have like really just, fallen in love <laughs> so much further than we already were in love with this region of the United States being out here. We've both been learning so much. So I love that the, uh, the, in your dream, he said, I am the, was it, was it the king of the ether? Uh, the that, guardian, the guardian, guardian of the forest ether. <laughs> guardian of the forest ether. I love that so much. Uh, I see, um, there's a bit of a an anagram in the Usnia, the unsea, U-N-S-E-A, and it's like a seaweed of the sky. Hmm. You know, it's like not from, it's a seaweed, but not from the S-E-A, but the ether is the unseen realm. Whoa. Wow. Slick. Yes. <laughs> Slam dunk. <laughs> and it, it also, uh, it also makes me think of a the jilly suit of a sniper that they would put this on so they could go unseen and be camouflaged. Oh yeah. 
Awesome stuff, man. That's great. Your um, pattern recognition is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> off, off, off the charts. For it, sure. it was, uh, you would take put an IQ test. On. I don't know what the number is. If you did, yeah, it's like, you know, put a fake beard on so that you don't get recognized. And uh, maybe even as a, a, a female or something like that, right? Totally, totally. I could not stop stroking my beard during that slot. I was like, stop. Like, no, <laughs> it was just like a beard there. Um, I've never, I've never worked with Usnia. I'm in, I'm in, if there's a Us, have you used it? Yay. Have you used it? Nay. I'm in the Usne uh, categories. That's my that's my only Usnia pun that I could come up with. Sorry, it's it's not as good as yours. <laughs> I wonder if it makes your beard grow better. It is kind of beardy. Oh, um, I would, I would by the signature of it, I would say that like put it maybe infusing that in some oil and um, rubbing that as a beard oil. That looks like that's what it looks like. It might make your beard white though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man's beard. You might, t- you might turn into a Kung Fu master on top of the mountain. Who knows? Uh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. how I picture Gabriel becoming old. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, there's a Virgo connection with the old man's beard uh, in the hermit card, which is ruled by Virgo. You know, classically, he has an old man's beard. He has a long white beard, which I've always heard that it it, uh, associates a lot of times with fertility. So when you see an old man stroking his beard, well, what else could he potentially be stroking uh, as a substitute sort of symbol, you know? Um, And then also, this is more of a personal weave between Michelle and I. I don't know if she's going to hear this now because it looks like she's probably tending to Carl or whatever. Uh, But, you know, it's called Lungs of the Forest. And uh, the our little local mountain, our neighborhood mountain is Wind Mountain, you know, so we're getting all of our Usnia literally from right around uh, Wind Mountain. So I feel like that's very, very appropriate. Lots of air symbolism. Super got, cool. Yeah, I work with lichen as an incense ingredient quite a bit. And there's my air component to it. It's a it's a beautiful smell when it's burnt. Other those that that piece that you displayed that other type of lichen is the type of lichen that I I would call oak moss that I use for incense. Ah, nice, right on. Well, all right, team. I think that that is about a wrap. And got any uh, closing thoughts? We can go around the horn. I just I think I say this every time, but I feel like the luckiest podcast host in the world to get to have this wisdom panel teaching me something that I have a lot to learn about and can appreciate the value of the playlist of these astro herbalism talks we've done for the rest of my life. I'll always be able to fall back on this as a reference. It's incredible. So thank you, guys. You got it, man. No final thoughts. This is always a great time. I learned so much from you guys. Uh, I love just the fact that everyone has a different angle with everything. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing for sure. Looking forward to the next one. Aries. Oh yeah. Yeah. Aries coming in hot. Thank you. Chance. I also feel lucky. It's a Jupiter, uh, Jupiter stuff going on. Um, I feel very fortunate to be able to, uh, talk to your audience who is so good. Everyone in the chat. I, I, I actually go back and I just like w- look through the chat after the end here. Cause I try to focus on the presentation here and they're the most well-behaved audience of all I time. Love, yeah. I feel I like they're the collaborators more than audience. Thank you everybody. Yeah, dude, yeah, you've yeah. got an incredible community. 
Seriously, yeah, it's, it's great to pre- it's great to present. I've I've had so much fodder for uh, future projects with what we got going on here, and I'm I actually I'm gonna uh, I'm just teasing, but next ne- I've been uh, preparing to do some releases timed with our season of Aries. So I got some big news coming up with uh, with our next next one, and it's been uh, I feel that uh, the 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 um, the energy is right, and it's really cool to be in line with the seasons through an astrological perspective, through uh, a nature perspective, uh, synchronizing things, and uh, it, it feels like uh, it's really fun to jump into something new next month with Aries. So I am really stoked for that one. Oh, yeah, we're coming in hot. Woo! <laughs> nice, man. I look forward to your announcement and what you're going to be putting out. It's cool. That's awesome. I'm just stoked to be here with y'all. Don't really have any final thoughts besides I really had a good time. Always have a good time. You guys really, I mean, I said it last night on my stream, but I'm inspired by you guys all the time. And this is, it's just allowing me to become a better herbalist and dig in deeper and all these great things. And it's really refreshing to be able to share these thoughts and get good feedback from y'all and I love everybody has a different perspective, kind of like what Mario said. So it's a beautiful thing. So thanks, Chance. And thank you, everyone. <laughs> I'm feeling the love. Like, really, I feel a lot of love for you guys. So big time. I'm, I'm feeling I'm drunk on fellowship and high on laughter. This is, <laughs> this is such a good time. Every time, guys. Yep. Gabe, you, you need help, man. yeah right (laughs) i'm starting to feel the piscean dreamland call me so i'm gonna wrap up the stream but guys till next time we're gonna have to figure out a way to keep doing this panel even after you know the i have an idea (laughs) (laughs) ophiuchus we can do we can really start to we can like Maybe do a little uncovering bonus section of Ophiuchus. That's a great idea. Oh. Didn't we start on Scorpio? Yes. Yes. So Ooh. that's actually like, like perfect timing but, when we get around to 13th but we get, month. We can of, get into our, we can uh, tickle the fancy of our uh, sidereal friends with the Ophiuchus. And oh, yeah. Because no, I'm into that. It's a mysterious thing, right? There's not much out there. I'm very into that. Yeah. Yes. Great idea, man. Great idea. Wow. Great. Okay. Well, then we have an extra bonus one on Taffa. <laughs> yeah, we all love this so much. And it's uh, that feeling comes through. I'm sure the audience is feeling it. Thank you guys for being here. Have a good night, y'all. Make sure you check out Slick Dissident on YouTube. He's just put out a whole bunch of crazy good Enneagram stuff. I'm still a little behind on but a new one tonight, even. Michelle's Healing Home. Symbolic studies for Mario, typical new herbs for Kyle, all of that in the show description. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the super chats. Thanks for the great commentary. And uh, see you guys next time. Much love. Yeah.